0: race review and tonight we are reviewing the races at Charlotte Motor Speedway from this past weekend. Uh, joining me as co-host for tonight's show is Sal Segala. Welcome to the show Sal.
1: Oh thanks Charles.
0: Okay we're going to start off uh, with uh, talking about the Arkham and Arts series. Uh, They did have a race at Charlotte Motor Speedway this weekend, and uh, it was a doubleheader for Ty Gibbs winning both the Xfinity Series and the Arca Menards Series on Saturday. Uh, We will also give you just a few updates from the Arca East and West Series. At 9 o'clock, uh, there's a little bit of a change here. I didn't add it into the schedule yet, uh, but at nine o'clock, we talked with Patrick starpoli Uh, he is a Sonoco super late model driver with Jim McCoy racing and they won this past weekend at the Dale, our Auburn, Auburn Dale speedway in, uh, Winter Haven, Florida. So we're looking forward to talking to Patrick Staropoli about his victory. Uh, then we'll have 15 minutes each for the Truck Series uh, review at Charlotte, the Xfinity Series review at Charlotte, and then the Cup Series review at Charlotte Motor Speedway. 10 o'clock, of course, is our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off, and that starts uh, again at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, so, Sal, let's go ahead and get into it. The Arkham Menard Series at Charlotte. Um, what a race. Uh, Ty Gibbs had quite the day on Saturday, uh, not long after he won in the Xfinity Series. Uh, he went and raced uh, with the Arkham and Art Series that night and won again, and this time he led every single lap.
1: Yeah, it's pretty amazing. He had a, a really good weekend. Um, as far as, you know... Uh, as far as going on Saturday, I mean, it was, gosh, I mean, what more can you say about the kid? He's just an amazing, he's just an amazing talent. You know, and to, it's sad that a lot of people, you know, are saying it's because of his grandpa. But, you know, even though you're given the a good car to run, you know, top-notch equipment, you're still going to be able to do something with it. And, I mean, I can go down the list on drivers that have had top-notch equipment and couldn't do nothing with it. So I mean, you really gotta mm-hmm. take your hat off to this kid who's doing it. You know, whether it's top-notch equipment or not, but you know what? The thing is, at the end of the day, he's got the W.
0: He does. Uh, he, in fact, he has four out of six races. He's got a victory in, and uh, the, so he's won his second Xfinity Series race in just his sixth start, uh, which is two wins in that series. We'll talk more about that later. Uh, but that sweep makes Gibbs the first driver uh, to win both an Arkham Art Series race and a NASCAR National Series race uh, since Sam Mayer did it in the Arkham Art Series and the Camping World Truck Series with wins at Bristol Motor Speedway last season. So it doesn't happen very often, uh, but when it does, you know you're talking about a talented guy.
1: Oh, yeah, you you got to – I mean, you really got to – you know, give the kid his props. You know what, and not take, and not take nothing from him. I mean, he earned it. You know, and and um, you know, like I said, you know, I know a lot of people. You know, they, you know, they kind of downplay it. You know what? Well, you know, he's a Gibbs. You know, but once again, you know, you still got to go in there. You still got to perform. And being a Gibbs, he probably even has more pressure on him. So think about the pressure he get. He's he already has yes. just getting in the car with that last name. So I mean. And then to overcome that pressure, you know, to be able to you know, to perform, you know, it, it's a whole nother you know, it's a whole nother ball game right there. So I mean, the kid is just he's just an amazing talent, you know, somebody, you know, that we really gotta watch, you know, as he's coming up through the ranks.
0: No kidding. Uh, he's he's definitely one to watch. Now the only other driver who has won uh this season in the Arkham and Art series is Corey Heim. He came in second at Charlotte. Uh, But he kind of had a rough day. He was uh, fighting with his race car all day. Uh, But it did allow him to keep the series points lead. Uh, Two of his teammates, though, at Venturini Motorsports, finished behind him. Drew Dollar and Parker Chase ended up in third and fourth place. Then it was Nick Sanchez Uh, was really the only driver that could compete with Gibbs. He ended up finishing in fifth place. Gibbs Sanchez actually passed Gibbs for the lead on a restart with 35 laps to go, but he wasn't able to hold off the eventual race winner by the time they reached that start finish line, so uh, he did not get the credit for leading a lap. Um, The rest of the top 10 were Jack Wood, Thad Moffat, Dave Mater the third, Angie Jakowiat, and Chris. Hacker all rounded out the top ten drivers there in the Arkham Menard series. So uh, uh, there were only four cautions for incidents. Moffat spun himself on lap twenty-nine, and Jason Miles did the same thing with just nine laps to go. So uh, pretty eventful race uh, overall, and uh, kind of uh, interesting that the two. Dominant guys this year seem to be Ty Gibbs and Corey Heim.
1: Yeah, you know Corey's been a you know another one you know who you know we've had our eye on you know and he's you know you know kind of I guess you could tell you say it you know you know handling his own of the spectrum you know when it comes to you know he's he's running a pretty a pretty busy race schedule himself.
0: He certainly is. Okay, let's. Uh, do you have the uh, points up there, Sal? Maybe we can go over the points next.
1: Yeah, Keeping you know you're. T- yeah, you know what I'm. Gosh, I it. it was right here. Oh, no, here it is. Arkham Art Series points. Okay, so first. Uh, First is Corey Himes. He's you know, he's leading the the points uh, standings right now. Second is Ty Gibbs, third is Dad Moffitt, um fourth is Nick Sanchez and fifth is Drew Dollar and out of the top five only oh yeah, then you go down to DL Wilson. So really out of the top six you only have five drivers who have run every race. Nick Sant Drew Dollar's only run five races sitting in fifth right now. And then, um, mm-hmm. from six down, you go to Dale Wilson, Kyle Sieg, Jack Wood in eighth, Tori, um, uh, Bredinger sitting in ninth and 10th is, uh, Brad Smith. So, you yeah, the, it,
0: it really is amazing. Several of those drivers, as you mentioned, only have the five races instead of, uh, racing in all six events. Uh, but it's really a, a, a very close competition between Corey Hyman and Ty Gibbs, with uh, just ten points separating them right now.
2: Yeah, you know,
1: and, 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 and I think the reason we have that is because when they opened in Phoenix, there was a lot of drivers mm-hmm. who had raced it, who had raced the Phoenix, the, um, ARCA race, and because they ran it with the, they kind of combined it because the ARCA West ended up getting the points you know, their points from that race. So so that's why, you know, like sure. if you go and you check out the points and you got like sixty eight drivers, seventy drivers who have run the Arca series, mm-hmm. but you gotta remember the majority of those were they're all they're all West drivers. They they just did the one off because they needed it for the points, you know, going into their
2: right. into their
1: own respective into their own respective series. But still Corey Hyman, think- uh, and Tyke Ty Gibbs, they have a really good battle going up, you know, for first and second right now.
0: They really do. And I think the other part of the difference between those two drivers is if you look at the average start and the average finish. Uh, Ty Gibbs' average start is 3.0, but his average finish, uh, because in two of those races, um, he must have finished back further. It's 58 now, Corey Heim has an average start, though, at 4.8, 4. but his average finish is 1.8. So he's either finished first or second, I think, in most of the races this season.
1: Yeah, well, too, well also, if you look at their top fives, Corey Heim, six out of six races, yes. has he's been in the top five, and Ty Gibbs had one race where he was out of the top five, which means he must have finished yep. pretty low because he's, I mean, given the fact he's only 10 points out, but he does have four wins, and Corey Heim has two wins.
0: Yeah, but that one race makes a big difference in where he sits in oh, the yeah. standings right now, exactly. even though he has the four wins. So yeah. th- that that's basically where the difference is between those two particular drivers right now. So it's going to be interesting uh, to see what happens uh, between those two as this season continues. Uh, he won at Toledo, so he also leads uh, the Sioux Chief Showdown. And Sal, if you look at the upcoming races that are coming up here, uh, the next race is going to be another Sioux Chief Showdown event. At, uh, the Arkham and Series is racing next weekend, June the 4th, 6 p.m. Eastern Time at Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course. The Dawn one fifty, that's also going to be one the second race of the Sioux Chief Showdown. So, uh, that's gonna be interesting too, because Corey's leading in the Arkham and Art series. Ty is leading in the Sioux Chief Showdown. So there's going to be uh, really some jockeying for position uh, between those two drivers. It will be televised on Fox Sports 1. And, of course, this Thursday, Jay and I will get more into the preview of that race. Uh, but uh, just so you know, that's the next race coming up for the Arkham Menard Series.
1: Yeah, it's um, – okay, here we go. I was trying to find the suit chief, uh schedule I, I just found it right now yeah so yeah like like you said the next one is going to be um, in a couple weeks at, uh, actually it's next actually, weekend.
0: It's this weekend
1: yeah it's, yeah. it's, it's next weekend is it a, a, a Mid Ohio sports sports card
0: and actually it's going to be a busy weekend for the Arkham and Series because the Arkham and Series West uh, is also racing at Sonoma Raceway. We also have uh, the Xfinity and Cup Series racing at Sonoma Raceway this weekend. Uh, but in addition to that, your fans will be able to watch the Arkham and Art Series West race at Sonoma. I think I read somewhere there's 22 drivers on the entry list right now.
1: Yeah, you that know what, I was kind of surprised. This
0: is on June 5th. I
1: was, I was kind of surprised that uh, the uh, – um that Arkham and Arts that they would have ran the you know, the Arkham and Arts Sioux Chief the same day as uh as Arkham and Arts West. You know, both being on road well, courses Well actually it's you know, not the that, same
0: day, Sal. It's it not a, the it's the same weekend but not the same day. Uh the Sioux Chief Showdown is on the and the Arkham and Arts series that that's all one race and it's on June the fourth at Mid Ohio Sports Car Course. At six p.m. Okay, Eastern yeah. time, but the okay. West, right, and that's on June fourth. The West will be racing the next day on Saturday, June the fifth, yeah. and that's two p.m. Pacific time, but that's five p.m. Eastern time. So that's that one's at Sonoma Raceway. So it is two separate days.
1: Okay, you know what? Then that's that's maybe why. I think there's a couple of drivers that are that are gonna try to make the that are gonna try and make the trip from um from over there to uh i'm trying to see no i don't see i don't see any that are i don't see any that are gonna try to run both both um.
0: yeah i think it's gonna be pretty tough to try to run both of those races within one day yeah. um
1: well the the thing is, uh, the thing is, know, is between is, the two is, days yeah, the thing is, is, they would have to have two cars. They'd already have to have one car yeah. at Sonoma and one car at Mid um, Ohio, and you know, some a team, the team over there prepping, you know, at at you know both tracks, which is, which is, but I mean, it, to run, I don't know, I just I just, I just think that that Arca should have ran one and one. You know what? You not on the same weekend like that. You know, you know, to try to no. give the drivers you know a chance to cross over you know, from one to another. Yeah,
0: I know what you're saying. Yeah, and you I would imagine it was a logistics thing that uh, couldn't be avoided, but, uh, yeah.
1: You know, because it, 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 it's kind of like what's going on over here with us, you know, um, all of a sudden, Vegas opened up the Bullring, you know, and they're, without wanting to, but they're taking drivers from Urindale and, and, um, uh, some from, uh, Oh gosh, I forget the other track is up, up down, down by, um, down by Arizona more. You know, and and it, you know they're kind of instead of working together, you know, to work the schedule on it so everybody can race, they're doing conf, they're they're conflicting race dates, and it's and it's taking it's dropping the car count at either one track or another.
0: Yeah, yeah, it, it makes it rough. Um, now the Arkham and Art series east. Their next race, they will not be racing this coming weekend, but they'll be racing the following weekend, the Southern National 200 at Southern National Motorsports Park. Um, and that will be on June 12th at 8 p.m. Eastern time. So that's the next Arca Menard Series East race uh, for all of these uh Races that are going on in the Arkham Arts series. So things have picked up. We waited a long time in between, you know, the start of the season and uh, when they kind of picked up here again in May. Uh, but now things are starting to pick up, and I think we'll see a lot more races uh, throughout the summer than what we saw during the spring.
1: Yeah, um, you know what? Just like the Arkham Arts West, you know, they're finally – you know, they're finally getting, you know, a you know, a, a, de- a decent scheduling, you know, where they're working or they're racing, you know, they're going to start racing, you know, once a month. Well, yeah. actually the, the fifth is then from there, then they, they wait a month and they go, then they're at Uriandale and then on the 30th of that month, 31st, then they go to Colorado and then they turn around and come back to her on the 21st and then in September, they go to Portland for, for two races, Saturday and Sunday. And then 13, mm-hmm. two weeks later, then they go to the Boring in Las Vegas. And then in October, it's All-American. And then, of course, a month later in November in Phoenix would be the championship race. So, um, you know, after that, let me see, March, after that three-month, that three-month layoff, you know, they're finally, you know, getting back, you know, where they're going to start racing regularly. But, you know, I feel that exactly. for a lot of these drivers. They only you have
0: know. one race. They only have one race in the yeah. books right now, Sal, so this yeah, next that, race that Phoenix, Raceway yeah. is the second race of the year, so it's pretty amazing.
1: And the bad thing about that is, of course, the road course, and now you got twenty, you got 20 entries, which normally they're only going to get 10 or 11 entries, so for the regulars, it's going to be tough because these other drivers are going to be sucking up their points, you know, all these other ones, you, you know, that yep. they're entering in the... Um, And, and, you know, that are just, oh, they're just doing the one-off because of Sonoma. And, you know, they're going to be taking away points, you know, from the regulars.
0: Well, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out because uh, Jesse Love, I think, is the first full-time Arkham and Art Series West driver, and he's in sixth place right now. Uh, But I'm not sure that those drivers that are ahead of him in the Series point standings are uh, going to be racing at Sonoma. So it gives him a chance to kind of move up those point, point standings uh, as an Arco West driver.
1: Yeah, because actually the only the only full-time drivers you have is going to be Jesse Love, and then you drop down to 8th is Todd Sousa. 10th is Trevor Huddleston? And then you drop down to 12th, which is Cole Moore. He's running full-time for Bill McAnally. And then you drop all the way down to 15th to Dean Thompson who's running for High Point Racing. And then 16, mm-hmm. Joey East, and 17, Tony Tony Toast, and 18, Drake True, who's running for for uh, Bob Lucati in the and Sunrise Sunrise Ford. And then mm-hmm. other than that, you dropped to 23rd, which is Takuma Koga, who's running for uh, 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 Jefferson Pitts Racing. And that's it. All the other ones are all they're all one offs. Yeah, but all of those
0: guys are going to be moving up after that race at Sonoma because oh, yeah. uh the other guys will not be at Sonoma, which gives them a chance to kind of position themselves uh toward that championship run. Uh in the East, uh we kind of just went over the points there, uh with just one race in the books. In the East, uh the point standings are a little bit different because they have four races under their belt already. Uh, And then that fifth race will be that race that's coming up on June the twelfth. But Sammy Smith has the lead there, so but it's pretty tight behind him.
1: Oh yeah, it's between Sammy Smith and you. Like you said, you go on to Mason Diaz and Max Gutierrez, and then Joey East. You know who's uh, you know, and then you know, and then it starts to spread out a little bit more. But still, even even uh, Daniel Dye and and Parker uh, Restoff were still only you know, uh, 14 to 15 points
0: behind Mhm. Yeah, so, and those are the drivers that have, uh, Dick Dohaney also has four races in. Uh, he's in eighth place. Roger Carruth is just above him in seventh place. Uh, and those are all the drivers that have four races, all four races in the book uh, for them. Uh, now, looking at the top here, uh, Sammy Smith has that average three, but his average finish is a 2.0, uh, which is uh, pretty good. You have one driver that has a little bit better, uh, and that's Ty Gibbs with just one race in, in which he won, uh, has a 1.0 start and, and finish. So, But uh, 2.0 is pretty good for an average finish uh, for Sammy Smith after four races.
2: Yeah, because
1: I think that's about where Derek, when he won his championship two years ago in the in the in the Canon West Series, I think he was like he finished. I think he was like a two point three finishing average finish for the whole season. Cause he yeah, only had, that's
0: pretty I amazing. Think,
1: two wins, two wins. That Jesse Love had like six wins, but Jesse Love's average finish was was uh, wasn't um, wasn't as good as Derek's.
0: Mhm. Yeah, it, it's uh, going to be interesting. Taylor Gray's not racing right now either. He had that car accident, and uh, he's kind of uh, still recovering from that. So it's going to be a while before he gets back behind the wheel of a car. Uh, right now he's 10th in the series point standings, but he'll drop further as well uh, because he won't be able to continue the rest of this season.
1: Well, and actually he recovered. I, um, I talked to his mom, Amber, um, gosh, when was it? I'm trying to find the, the message. that I was, I've been getting updates on him. Oh. And, uh, the last update was on May 12th and she said he's doing better, getting stronger e- each day and each day. You know what? And, um, and all she says is, you know, thank you so much for all the thoughts and prayers. It means so much to us. Has definitely been key to his recovery.
0: Oh, that's so, awesome.
2: Yeah, so well, she appreciates all that. Well, we looking forward
0: to when he's able to return uh, back yeah. to racing. I, I'm hoping that he will be able to return. Uh, it's kind of unfortunate because he was off to a pretty good start this season. Uh, but all of that uh, is kind of on the back burner now with his recovery after his accident.
1: Yeah. Well, so other, the other update I got from her when I contacted her, she said that you know they're looking you know to race. You know his his um his uh his outlook is to race this season. You know not to sit out this season, but to actually you know get in a car and race.
0: Oh, okay. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah. So we should be able to see him back behind the wheel sometime during this season then. Okay, so that's uh, really good news for Taylor Gray. Uh, thank you, Sal, for those updates.
1: Yeah, and then um, I'll probably because it's already almost been a month, well, two weeks actually. So I'll, I'll be sending her another 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 note this week. You know, try try get another update and see you know where he's at with the, you know, see where he's at with his recovery and see if I can get a little bit more more in depth, you know, on exactly. Mm-hmm. What his recovery is what his injuries are were in, and I'll just tell her, you know that were you know that the reason I need it well, I mean, she'll tell me anyways, but I'll just tell her the reason I really need it is you know, so we can pass it on to our listeners,
0: mhm, yeah, that's very good, um, and then maybe we can have him on the show when he's ready,
1: oh yeah that yeah, yeah, that would be a problem i'm I'm sure you know I'm, I'm sure mm-hmm. that that, okay. would, that would not be an issue that would not be an issue at all.
0: Okay, so we've pretty much covered all of the Arkham Menard series, uh, and you know where everybody's at for this part of the season. Uh, we'll go more in depth on Tuesday. I'm sorry, Thursday night. Uh, that's just two days from now. Uh, and just from a programming note, on Tuesday, our guest this Tuesday is actually Jennifer Self. Uh, so you know, we've been having, uh, we've had Austin Wayne self on the show Sharon. already this year. Yeah.
1: Sure. We're Tuesday yeah. today. You're talking about Thursday.
0: I know. I'm saying the guests for Thursday night. I'm letting no, you no, know. You keep who saying our Tuesdays.
1: Tuesdays. <laughs> I know. You keep saying the guest for Tuesday night. Tuesday night.
0: Oh, okay. I, I guess you have Tuesday well, guess, in your head. Yeah,
1: that's what I'm saying. It's for Thursday.
0: Yeah, it's only two days from today. Thursday yeah, night. Yeah. Um, okay. We are going to have Jennifer Self on the show. Uh, she is the wife of Austin Wayne Self, and but she's also the defending winner of the uh, Better Half Dash that they're going to be doing virtually this year. It's going to be an eye racing event on June the 10th, a week later, and Jennifer is going to come on and talk with us a little bit about. Uh, the new format this year, and and uh, what they're doing to prepare, and and all of that. I'm sure they're doing a lot of practicing on i racing. But uh, I think it's going to be fun to be talking to uh, Jennifer on Thursday night.
1: You know, and speaking of the i racing, what happened to that to the to the two guys we had that one time? Remember, they were supposed to come back and give us an update.
0: You're talking about the, the i racers from Stewart Haas Racing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure what happened there. I stayed in touch with the one guy via Twitter, um, and I can probably still get in touch with him if you want to get an update from him. We'll see if we can't get him to come back. I, I'm, he's still iRacing, <laughs> so I'll see if I can't get him to come back.
1: Yeah, that was, a, real, that was oh. a pretty interesting story on how they got started.
0: Yeah, it really was. It really was. So, uh, but look for Jennifer to be on the show this Thursday uh, at 8.40 p.m. Eastern Time. Um, in a few minutes here, though, we're going to have Patrick Steropoli. It's been a while since we've had pa- Patrick on the show, uh, but he had a big win this past weekend, Sal, uh, out of the Dale, Auburn Dale uh Speedway in uh, Winter Haven, Florida. Uh, he won that race, and it was uh, it was uh, uh, pretty fun because uh, uh, let's see, I thought I had his email up here. He sent him he sent a notice to us this morning, uh, giving an idea of you know that win, uh, and it was a big it was an let's see late model series on Saturday night after an outside pass for the lead which is three laps to go. So that was uh, a pretty big win uh, for him. His uh, next race is coming up at 417 Speedway in Fort Myers, Florida, and that will be next month. We can talk to him a little bit more about that. But the story, what's interesting about Patrick Staropoli is that he's actually Dr. Patrick Staropoli. He's an ophthalmologist. Uh, and uh, and also loves to race. So uh, we always have fun chatting with him about that. So he's actually on the line now, so let's go ahead and bring him into the queue. Uh, first of all, Patrick, welcome back. It's been a while since we've chatted with you.
3: Hey, guys. Uh, yeah, thanks very much for having me on. It's a pleasure uh, chatting with you guys again.
0: Well, I was really excited when I got the email this morning uh, talking about your victory. And, uh, you know, talk a little bit about those closing laps and uh, your thoughts uh, about making that pass and, and getting to the finish line first.
3: Yeah, it was, it was a pretty exciting race. Uh, you know, I haven't competed at Auburndale Speedway probably in about two or three years now. And uh, the schedule just sort of worked out, you know, know, my work schedule. And then Jim McCoy owns the car. So whenever we're both free, we just kind of pick races on the calendar and go to them. And uh, the race is exciting. Auburndale is like a quarter mile bullring. Uh, You really have to be aggressive to to get around there and make passes. And, uh, you know, we qualified third and we we hung around with the leaders all night. And then in the closing stages, I think we got up to second uh, with under 10 laps to go. And we had a restart, and actually we had been fighting an issue with the uh, gas pedal all weekend where it was trying to stick uh, going into the corner, and we thought we had it fixed. And uh, went down in the corner on the restart, and the, the pedal stuck. We slid up to the third lane, lost a couple spots, fell back to fourth, uh, gathered it back up, got the pedal unstuck, uh, drove back up to second, made the pass on the outside for the for the lead with, like, relapse to go, and we were able to take it home. So... It was a it was a lot more dramatic than I was hoping for but the end result is exactly what we were looking for and we got the w.
0: Absolutely. I was thinking exactly that. You had to put some drama into it. Uh Patrick with that stuck back <laughs> always uh, <laughs> well, and that, that makes it even more exciting when, when you're able to overcome and and uh, recover from that and, and go after that victory. So uh, congratulations to you on that. Now, I, I, you're not really racing the full schedule, right? You're racing just part-time, like you say, based on what your schedules are? Or is there like an owner's uh, title that you're looking at?
3: Yeah, it's really just a, a part-time schedule. We kind of pick and choose the races. Um, you know, Florida has a couple big crown jewel races towards the end of the season at, at the different, all the different tracks really kind of host one. So we're kind of, you know, trying to spread out and run as many of the tracks as possible and get ready for those big shows at the end of the year. But it's, uh, you know, we we don't race nearly as much as, as some of the competitors uh, that we're up against who are out there full-time, you know, running 30 or 40 races a year. We kind of Pick and and it's usually less than 10 per season, but every time we get out there, uh, you know, we've been fortunate. I think I owe a lot of that to, to Jim McCoy and uh, Tim Smale, and they, they work hard on the car every single day of the week. I'm usually tied up at work. Uh, I get in there at the last minute and help them, you know, finish up the car, but they do, uh, you know, majority of it. They, they keep me in the seat, uh, and it's just a lot of fun driving for those guys, and it's great, you know, when we, we can put together a race like we did this past Saturday and win for them.
0: Without a doubt, and you've
3: been with them for quite a while, Jim McCoy Racing. Yeah, it's been uh, I'd say probably at least, at least the last three or four years. Um, we've been you know only running you know late models with them. I, I do still have my own car, uh, but especially with with work and everything like that, it doesn't leave the, the shop that much anymore. So, um, you know, I grew up you know going to the racetrack with my dad, and he raced against Jim McCoy you know way back. In the early '90s, which is uh, you know a long a long time ago now, but I've known him since <laughs> I was a kid, and um, he's had some great people drive for him uh, over the years. Jimmy used to race, and then uh, you know he had Bobby Coyle, Joe Winchell, um, guys like that, who are her big legends in uh, late model racing down here in Florida, compete for him, and um, you know it's, it's a great opportunity, obviously, to get to, to drive for him and uh, have a lot having a lot of fun doing it.
0: Okay, well I know uh, our co-host is here as well that's Al Figala and he has some questions for you too Patrick hey
2: Sal? how you doing
1: Patrick Matt yeah I'm here Matt it's been a hey, long time in. since we had, you, had you on yeah it's good to hear from you it's good to uh, hear that you're still racing I, I know with the uh, you know going to school you know and then becoming a doctor and, and all that I, it's got to be tough
3: yeah you know it's it's uh it's always been a juggle. I think we talk about it pretty much every time I, I hang out with you guys, but there is light at the end of the tunnel. I mean I actually am, I'm finishing up residency uh, this month down down here in Miami. I've been doing uh you know, my residency in ophthalmology at, at Bascom Palmer, uh, which is the eye hospital down here in Miami, and I have less than a month to go, and I'm officially graduating from that and then uh, done with my training, I'll actually be switching. Uh, a little bit. I'm going to specialize in retina surgery. And so I'm going to, you, you know, basically be doing that for the, the next two years, uh, finishing off my training and then, then going from there. But, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a long journey. I think that balancing the two things has been very challenging at times, but it's, uh, it's really rewarding to, you know, get to, to do that and help people, um, with sight, which is, you know, something that you, you obviously need to, to drive a race car fast. It's, it's really important to me personally. And then, being able to help people with that and then get out there and, and win in the race car it's been uh it's been a fun couple of years. Yeah, I bet it has. You
1: know what it as far as the sight, not even driving race cars, just getting around in everyday life around traffic here in LA, you man, you really need a good sight or you're or you're gonna up in the wall or um on a solo spin.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet driving down the highway there's a few times you wonder if uh, people need to get their eyes checked. I wonder that too down down here in Florida, so <laughs> So so, how do you like it down there? What's what's
1: uh, I I know the racing is is it's man, the racing out there is just phenomenal because I go out there once a year, and um, and everything that I hear it's you know it's always of course back east but I know down in Florida you know there's a lot of there's a lot of action going on down there.
3: Yeah, you know Florida is surprisingly you know a pretty big hotbed for for racing. Obviously, you know East Coast you think of Charlotte and, and North Carolina in general as being the the hub for all of motorsports, but you know florida i think in general has a pretty long history of of short track racing uh you know growing up in south florida we always had hialeah speedway down here which is where i grew up i mean my my dad raced there i went to my first race when i was six months old and a lot of the um the you know guys who went on to make big names for themselves in nascar started off racing you know down here at hialeah and a lot of the florida short tracks and so I think that tradition's carried on. Um, racing here is, is very intense, very competitive. And when you get these, you know, quote-unquote big-name guys who travel around the country and, and come down here, we, we definitely give them a run for their money. So I think there's uh, no shortage of talent. It's, a, you know, a, an honor to get to race against some of these guys that we compete against who are very good at what they do. And, uh, you know, love racing down here.
1: You know, and, and when you speak about that track, Kyle, you know what? It, it, I remember there was a tie when – like you said, I mean, everything, it, it was kind of like hearing about New Smyrna, hearing about Bowman Grand. I mean, Hialeah was really, really up there on the list, you know, as far as, you know, you know a lot of the drivers, you know, from back east, you know, yeah, you got to race Hialeah. You know, if you race Hialeah, you know, you know, you win there, you know, then you know you really want to race.
2: And, and
3: it's kind of neat to hear you. Yeah,
1: that's what they always say. Yeah. And it's, and it's neat to hear you talk about it because I haven't heard Hialeah in, gosh, probably two to three years.
3: Oh, Yeah. It's a, I mean, they don't make racetracks like that anymore. It's literally now, I think it's a a Lowe's parking lot, but it could have been a parking lot before too. It's a, it was a flat third mile track and it was so flat. They say that when it rains there, the water would run towards the outside wall. That's how flat the corners were, but you needed to have, you know, completely different setup and a different skill set to get around a place like that with, with no banking and uh, that's where I learned to drive. And, and just like you said, the, you know, they called it world famous, highly of speedway for a reason. If you could win there, you, you could win anywhere type of thing. So, um, having a track like that in your backyard growing up was, was huge. And a lot of the lessons I learned there still, still apply today. So so with the,
1: with, uh, um, with the residency, you know, on the, uh, the studies and everything, how are you finding time to, you know, to still, you know, you know, to basically to still hone, um, hone your skills behind the wheel?
3: Yeah, there's uh, there's not much time. Uh, we don't, you know, test at all. We rarely, uh, you know, even get to show up. A lot of the, the races we compete in, they have the practice day, the, you know, the night beforehand and then, uh, you know, qualifying and race the following day. But we usually show up the day of the race. Uh, so, you know, it's an uphill battle, and it's one that we know we're fighting because of, you know, schedule and time constraints. But, um, you know, it's it's an added challenge, and after a certain point in time, you have been juggling the two things for the past, you know, ten, fifteen years and you, you kinda get used to knowing that you're playing at a little bit of a disadvantage. But uh, you know, it, it all works out. I, I love going racing. The guys I, I go with love racing and we make whatever sacrifices it takes to, to make that happen.
1: You know, and it actually that's where the that's where the talent comes in and a lot of a lot of people don't realize, you know, that, you know, um I see it a lot at our short tracks. You know, some of the drivers they just can't make it off on Friday for whatever reason, whether it's you know, to pay for the track fee, or or they just working late, you know. But a lot of people don't realize you know, these guys—they they all have jobs, you know. And, and they show up on Saturday only, you know. Take advantage of the two practices, qualifying, and then the race itself. But I mean, that's where the real talent comes in. You know, when you can go out and do that, you know, and still pull off a win, you know. Especially, you know, that you know with you know with the talent field that's out there, and and not only that, but the the technology from the time that you won and very first, probably, you know, won the, um, you know, the contest to now, you know, I mean, the technology is just, I mean, it's probably flipped over 150,
3: 200%. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, even though I'm not always able to go to the races, I am constantly reading, uh, you know, everything that, that comes out. There's a lot of great stuff, uh, you know, on the internet today, people posting videos and different newsletters and things you could sign up for that kind of keeps you current on you know the different trends and and setups and what guys are doing so even when you're not at the racetrack you're still studying it and you're trying to make sure you're not falling behind the curve but uh you know i think adaptability is like one of the the key things you need to be a a good race car driver at at different tracks and you know a lot of the guys who travel that's what makes them so good they can show up somewhere they've never been and, and get their stuff dialed in uh very fast so you know, not being able to to test or show up early to practice and stuff, that's a challenge, but also, you know, showing up and figuring it out quickly is is an important skill to have too. So
1: Well yeah it is. And with that, Patrick, you know, I'm just gonna tell you, you know, best of luck the rest of the season. It was nice talking to you and um hopefully, you know, we'll get you back on the show again and uh and hopefully we'll see you at a track one of these one of these days, you know, out there in you know out there in the in the Florida area. And with that I'm gonna turn it back over to Sharon.
3: Absolutely. Thanks, man.
0: Okay. Um, I'm kind of surprised that Sal didn't ask you this because one of his favorite races to go to every year is the <laughs> Snowball Derby out of <laughs> Pensacola, Florida. <laughs> <laughs> so is that a race you've ever thought about uh, taking part in, Patrick?
3: Oh, yeah, every, every year. Uh, you know, that's a that's a bucket list race uh, for sure. Um you know, I grew, I've grown up watching that race, uh, following along, you know, they have the B51 does the online updates, now they broadcast the race, and it's obviously the the crown jewel and the, the biggest thing you can accomplish in, in super late-mile racing, so uh, if I ever got the opportunity to, to compete in it, I definitely would. Um, I know our team, personally, we would love to, to do that someday, but there's a, a certain level of uh, you know, equipment and sponsorship and everything that you would need to go to, go to that race, not even to, to do it right and have a chance to, to win, but even to just go there and have a chance to qualify for the race. It's You know, the best of the best from from across the country. And uh, if you if you can win there, then that's that's making a statement. So someday, hopefully, uh, fingers crossed, you know, get to, to compete in the race and, and maybe even have a shot at, at winning it. But that's a that's a long term goal for sure. Patrick,
0: I'll tell you what, if you ever make it to the Snowball Derby, you got to let me know, and I'll be there.
1: Oh, you better be there. I'm, <laughs> gonna hold, I'm, I'm recording this because he, he's, he's, he's going to get there, and, and you better show up because, you know, Sherry, you know I'm there every year. But you know what? Yep. The Snowball Derby, like Patrick said, is one race. Qualifying is a whole different race all in itself.
0: Yes, I know. It's really tough to get through the qualifying in order to be able to race the main event there uh, because of the talent that comes from all over the country uh, to race that event. So, But, Patrick, uh, yeah, if that ever happens, let me know for sure. Um, Oh, yeah,
3: you guys will be the first to know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, now what about uh, your next race? You've got another race coming up next month tell us about
3: that right. Yeah. Yeah, so we're planning to race uh 417 Speedway. I think it's June June 26, so coming up now in a, in a few weeks. Uh we do have some minor body damage that we need to repair uh from this past weekend and then get the car set up switched over to to what we run over there, but um four seventeen in Fort Myers, it's the it's the closest track to us, so we sort of consider it a home track now. And um you know, they they have a big race there every November. This year, it's on uh, Thanksgiving weekend. It's called uh, Billy Bigley Memorial. It's named after, um, you know, one of the, the racers here in South Florida. And it's become like a huge event. They have a big payout. Uh, it's actually the week before the Snowball Derby this year. So they're hoping to get a lot of those guys who are traveling to Pensacola to, to also come down. And it's been fun to compete in that race uh, the last two years. And it's just gotten bigger. Uh, bigger and bigger each year and uh, we've had some decent runs in it and hoping that we'll steal the deal so this is one of the uh you know the tune-up races for for that event and um, hopefully we'll just get it dialed in a little bit better and get ready for the big one in november
0: sounds really good uh sounds really good and uh patrick uh i'm with sal i hope Uh, we'll get a chance to talk with you uh, more. We've kind of gone way too long since the last time we talked. Uh, And as uh, you continue this season, uh, please keep us posted with what's going on uh, because uh, we always love hearing from you.
3: Yeah, absolutely. It's always fun hanging out with you guys. And uh, I do just want to give a quick shout-out. We have some, some new sponsors that have been helping us out recently. Uh, Synergy Network Group, Impact IT, uh, Lotus Infused Drinks, D&D Welding, and um, South Florida, it's uh, Gator Plumbing. They've all kind of come on board uh, and shared, you know, the, the the cost of going racing and have made us, I think, a lot more competitive this season. So really have to thank all of them for, for helping us out and keeping us going.
0: Okay. Well, I'll tell you what, if anybody's out there uh, in the Fort Myers area Uh, and, uh, near 417 Speedway on June 26th, you want to get out to the racetrack and watch these guys run. Uh, because, uh, some of the best, a lot of people like that grassroots racing and that's, uh, what a lot of people yearn for. Uh, but they got to get out to the local tracks and support these guys, uh, that are out there racing and the tracks themselves. So, uh again, Patrick, thank you so much for being on the show with us tonight. We really love talking to you. And uh we'll look for another opportunity down the road here.
3: Yep, absolutely. Take care guys. Thank you again for having me on.
0: Okay. Take care now and good luck on the twenty sixth.
3: Thanks. Have a good night.
0: And good night. All right, that was Patrick Sarapoli and uh far too long between visits there with Patrick uh South and the last time we talked to him. Uh but uh very happy to hear about the win this weekend and uh what an exciting win that was.
1: Oh yeah, I bet it was. I mean you know, just to get back into victory lane, you know, after you know, all this time you know that he's been away, you know, if it's you know, schooling and all that, you know, and You know, just, you know, just trying to get, I mean, just trying to get his his ducks back in a row, you know, get the sponsorship up, you know, and, you know, and, uh, you know, know, takes to race. It's, it's, you know, it's amazing.
0: Yeah, well, I think Patrick Sarapoli is uh, a pretty amazing guy. It's not very often that you hear of a race car driver who has a Harvard degree, uh, but Patrick Sarapoli is uh, that guy and uh real proud of what he's able to accomplish. Okay, let's go ahead now and move on to the um uh Camping World Truck Series they raced on Friday night out at Charlotte Motor Speedway and it was John Hunter Nimachak a uh, holding up Carson Hookovar for the victory. Uh it was his third victory in the Camping World Truck Series this season. And Kyle Busch Motorsports has just been phenomenal on the 1.5-mile intermediate tracks, uh, and Charlotte Motor Speedway was no exception. Um, The win was his first at Charlotte, the third of the season and the ninth of his career, and because it was a triple truck challenge race as well, the last leg of the triple truck challenge, he also won that $50,000 bonus. Carson Hoseva in the number 42 scored his career best second place finish. Then it was Ben Rhodes, Stuart Friesen, uh the pole sitter Todd Gilliland, Chandler Smith all finishing in positions three through six. Uh then Ty uh in hit the first of two scheduled races with Doorsport Racing finished in seventh. Then it was Derek Krause, Austin Hill, and Zane Smith rounding out the top ten drivers. Sheldon Creed won the first stage. He was later involved in an accident and failed to finish the race. Uh Zane Smith was so the stage two winner. There was also a big incident between the number 14 of Trey Hutchins and the number 13 of Johnny Sauter. Uh, on lap 115, Hutchins slowed down on that lap after cutting a tire, and the number 13 of Johnny Sauter slammed into his, uh, uh, slowing machine, obliterating both of those trucks. Uh, both drivers, uh, fortunately were unscathed. Uh, the number four of Newmancheck's windshield and the roof suffered some damage from debris, but he was able to hold on. Following the final restart, just ten laps from the finish, there were twelve lead changes among nine drivers and five cautions for thirty-one yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race was one hundred and fourteen point three three one miles per hour. So, any thoughts there about that top ten and what happened uh, in the race?
1: Yeah, this was a, it was. A, I mean, I fortunately I missed it, but I want to one of these days when I get back home, you know, I'll get a chance to go back and and I'll rewatch it. But I, you know, I just following it, you know, on social media, you know, it sounded like it was a really exciting race. Um, you know, once again, you know, congrats to John Hunter Nemechek, you know, running for college motorsports. Um,
2: Yeah. yeah,
1: I mean, it's, you know, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of crazy because I talked to over the last weekend when we were in Roseville, I talked to somebody who was who had helped Noel Gregson come up, you know, through the ranks. You know, of course, we don't know that run for football Sports. You know, just to hear, you know, about the way you know he picks his drivers, you know, and you know the things that these you know these guys go through, you know, and how much Kyle expects them to win and everything. And you know, here's here's John Hunter Iwacheck. I remember watching him and his dad race. They raced a lot together, you know. Joe Iwacheck, you know, you know, with the when Joe had his own race team. You know, and and John Hunter, you know, is racing for other teams. But you know, even up at the Derby, you know, I've seen John Hunter. In this past Derby, I think was the past first snowball Derby that John Hunter and Chick did run it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But
0: amazing, yeah. He, amazing he, talent. He, you know, a lot of people questioned him coming from the Cup Series back to the Truck Series to race for Kyle Busch Motorsports, but it turns out. Uh, it's been a really good thing for both Kyle Busch Motorsports and John Hunter the Jack.
1: Yeah. Um, it is, you know, and, um, you know, and, and it's, you know, but then, you know, once again, you know, when, when you look at his pedigree, you know, his pedigree speaks, you know, you know, a ton about, you know, about the driver that he is and what he's, you know, what he's becoming. And, uh, you know, sure we're going to see big things from him Um, you know, it's just amazing You know, how often this kid wins And how often he runs up front You know, as compared to, you know, the other drivers I mean, you know, even, you know Even Ty Majewski, you know, finishing 7th You know, and hasn't run a truck, you know It's been a while, you know, since Ty Majewski Has come back, you know, to, you know, run a race You know, then you look at You know, you start looking up and down the Um, up and down the, uh You know, the leaderboard, you know and Like Zane Smith, um you know, finishing 10th, and then uh, who's another oh Sheldon Creed, you know, only, you know, finishing 35th, you know, I mean, you know, Sheldon Creed's always, you know, one that runs on top, mm-hmm. you know, then of course, and then you got your average, you know, your average drivers in there, you know, like, you know, we're seeing Jack Wood, you know, who's making the crossover from ARCA into, mm-hmm. into the truck series, so we're, we're we're seeing a lot of things out of these truck drivers, you know, Christian Eckies, I remember, man, we had Christian Eckies on a, a lot of times.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, he was
1: coming up, you know, to see, you know, to see his finishes. And um, Derek Krause getting a good finish in eighth. But uh, for the most part, I mean, John Hunter Niemicek is just really, just really shown that he's going to be a, a, a really good force to be reckoned with in the years to come.
0: Yes, indeed. Okay. Uh, let's go ahead and cover the uh, points report, Sal.
1: Okay, let's get to the points. And the points after the uh, – after the North Carolina Education Lottery 200 is John Hunter Nemechek leading the points with three wins. <laughs> Behind him is Ben Rhodes with two wins. And, gosh, Ben, the way he started off, you would have thought Ben Rhodes would have just – I mean, he was just going to wax this field this whole season, you know, start off with the first what first couple wins of the season. You know, but still, mm-hmm. you know, he's holding tight in there. You know, still holding tight in there, you know, in second – Of course, he's in the chase because of his win. Um, And then third is Austin Hill. Fourth is Sheldon Creed. And rounding out the top five is Todd Gilliland with one win. And then from there, we go down to six, which is Zane Smith. Seventh, Matt Crafton. Eighth, Stuart Friesen. Ninth, Grant Infinger. And then tenth, uh, Carson Hosovar, which is on the bubble for the uh, last uh, playoff spot.
0: Mm-hmm. Right now he's on top of that line and he's also a rookie. So, uh, you know, that's an automatic uh, rookie of the year if he's able to make it into the playoffs uh, when it's all said and done. Uh, now behind him is Johnny Sauter, Austin Wayne South, another rookie, Chandler Smith, and Tyler Ankrum. Uh, I still think it's possible for one of these guys that are below that cut line uh, to come up with a victory. And I think Tyler Ingram is the guy that's getting closest to doing that.
1: Yeah, he is, and uh, you know, and I'm like, you know, like we like we speak every week, you know, about you know drivers, you know that you know that we that you know we expect to you know that that could win, you know, at any given time, you know, and we just it's funny because we really haven't, I mean, you know, Zane Smith, you know he's, you know, we always say, you know, every, you know, every week, you know, he's good for winning the safety with Matt Crafton, the veteran, you know, um grabbing fingers, another one, you know, that's always good. Johnny Sauter, you know, um you know, then of course, you know, when you speak about Chandler Smith, you know, the rookie Chandler Smith, I mean, that kid has, he's done so much in, in his, in his career in such a short time, you know, that he's another one, you know, that can, you know, that, that's same you know, to, you know, to pop off
0: mm-hmm. a win at any time. Absolutely. Actually, there's only four drivers that have a win in the Camping World Truck Series. You mentioned John Hunter, Amacheck with three, and Ben Rhodes with two, but the other two drivers with wins are Sheldon Creed with one and Todd Gilliland with one. So they automatically move up the standings, uh, and that would push Austin Hill, who's right now in third place, uh, it would push him to fifth place uh, when the uh, playoffs begin. But there's still some racing to go here in the Tantan Greenwell Truck Series. Uh, so a lot could still happen here.
1: Yeah, we still got some good tracks coming up, you know, and, you know, before we get to, uh, you know, before we get to the cutoff line, you know, for the chase, and then, of course, once we get to the chase, you know, then it then it's all, um, you know, it's all its own thing, but... Um, you know, for right now, you know it's you know it's um when you look up and down the down the leaderboard, you know it's really an amazing, a really amazing field of drivers. But then you look at the average age of these drivers. I mean, they're all so young. I think when you look at the top ten, top fifteen, go to the top twenty. Mm-hmm. The oldest driver there is easily Matt Crafted.
0: Mhm, but there's some older yeah. drivers to a is uh kind of yeah. on the younger side. Grant infinger uh actually is a little bit older than than most people think um but yeah, you're right there's there's some youth right there in this group uh for sure Johnny Sauter, he's been a veteran of this sport, and then the bad news uh we got some bad news uh today uh from the truck series. Uh, uh, It was announced that uh, Timothy Peters uh, is not going to race anymore in the Camping World Truck Series. Uh, Let me see if I can pull up this information. Um, Hold on. I hit the wrong link. Okay. Yeah, Rackley War... Timothy Peters uh, are going to part ways. Uh, So Rackley War is co-owned by Willie Allen and Curtis Sutton. And they announced today that the team has reached a mutual agreement with Timothy Peters to end their uh, relationship effective today. Uh, Now, Josh Berry is going to join the organization as the driver of the number 25 Uh, Rackley Roofing uh, Chevrolet Silverado in the Camping Road Truck Series starting at Texas Motor Speedway on June 12th and then again in Nashville, Tennessee Super Speedway on June the 18th and at Pocono Raceway on June the 26th. So um, uh, uh, their statement is, we appreciate the foundation that Timothy Peter has brought Rackley War. Uh, team owner Alan said, and we wish Timothy the best in his future racing endeavors as a team. We remain on the remainder of the season. So that was kind of surprising. It made me a little bit sad because I really enjoy having Timothy Peters be a part of the Camping Road Truck Series and it's sad to see him uh, leaving again.
1: Yeah, you know, it's kind of like the same thing you know, after with Josh Berry, you know, with the with the JR Motorsports deal, you know everybody's kind of wondering, you know, what happened there. I mean, you know, the kid won a race, you know, he's he's strong, you know, and Dale and Junior's, uh you know, in his SLM, you know, with the with the SLM series, and you know, and all of a sudden, you know, you get the announcement, you know, that Josh Berry was let go, you know, and you kind of wonder, you know, what happened behind the scenes, you know, that well, he
0: wasn't let go, Sal. Josh Berry wasn't let go there. What happened is it was planned all year long. Sam Mayer was not old enough to race those races but since his birthday, and it was always planned that Sam Mayer would run the second half of the season with Junior Motorsports. So that was a planned thing from the very beginning. Josh Berry was going to run the first half, and then Sam Mayer is going to run the second half.
1: Okay, but still, I mean, now with the with the with the finishes he's had, you know, I know. But then, but then, when you look at Sam Mayer, Sam Mayer is a really he's another one that could that could you know pop off a lot of wins too, you know. He you know he's not just some he's not just some kid you know who's going to be learning you know and you know feeding off other drivers. I mean, Sam Mayer, you know, he's he's won some you know he's once some pretty you know some pretty some some pretty big races, in a very, um, uh, you know, uh, short
0: amount of time,
1: dominating. Yeah, in a dominating way too.
0: Yes, yes, without a doubt. Okay, it's time for us to go ahead and move on now to the Xfinity series because they also raced at Charlotte Motor Speedway on Saturday. We mentioned it earlier. Ty Gibbs did win that race um, on. Saturday uh and then went on to win the uh to win the um hold on, I'm trying to get to the last race, the next race. Yeah, the Ausco Uniforms three hundred. Um then went on to win the uh ARCA race that evening. So it was a big day for Ty Gibbs. Uh he spins and wins at Charlotte, not bad for a part timer. Ty Gibbs won his second NASCAR Xfinity Series victory in his sixth start of his career, recovering from a spin-off of turn four to take the checkered flag in the race on Saturday. At Finnington, the second stage, Ty Gibbs rebounded, uh, for the win, and it was Gibbs' uh, second win of the season. He now has five top five finishes in six starts. Austin Sindrick finished second with Harrison Burton, Brandon Brown, and Tyler Reddick rounding out the top five. The next five were Chase Briscoe, Ty Dillon, Brandon Jones, Jeb Burton, and Jeremy Clements to round out the top 10. Uh, Daniel Hemrick led a race-high 105 laps en route to sweeping the first two stages. However, Hemrick was caught up in a multi-car incident. On a rest uh, with 14 laps remaining, collecting Jones, Noah and Justin Haley, and Michael Lynette, there were 12 lead changes among seven drivers, 10 cautions for 51 yellow flag laps. The average speed of this race was 112.535 miles per hour. Ty Gibbs won the 40th annual Owl School uniforms, 300 um, in his sixth, second victory in six career starts, second victory and fifth top 10 finish this year, and his first victory and first top 10 finish in his series debut at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Austin Sindrick posted his third top 10 finish in four races at Charlotte and his 10th top 10 finish this year. Harrison Burton in third posting his second top 10 finish in two races at Charlotte. Um, Ty Gibbs, of course, was the highest finishing rookie in first place. He becomes the seventh driver in NASCAR Xfinity Series history to win his second race within his first six starts in the series. He joins Daryl Waltrip, who had three wins, Ron Fellows with three, Butch Lindley with two, Dale Earnhardt with two, Kurt Busch with two, and Tara Labani with two, and the third to do it in a single season, along with Chris Lindley in 1982 and Dale Earnhardt in 1982. So, uh, pretty amazing stats there for Ty Gibbs. Oh
1: yeah, pretty amazing stats of them. When you see this car on Saturday, he didn't have any sponsor stickers on it. It was just a '54 on the side and his and his name, Ty Gibbs, up on the you know, up above the door, but, you know, no sponsor stickers whatsoever, you know, and, and I mean, everybody knows, you know, that it's, of course, it's sponsored by, you know, by, by, uh, by his grandpa. But either way, you know, you would think that he would have had some, some sponsors on the car for, you know, for the season that he's been having so far. This-
0: I know. I know. It's amazing. Um, but I don't think I think if he keeps winning races, I don't think sponsorship's gonna be a problem for him. Um, he he's been doing he's had quite the season in the Xfinity series as well as the season that he's been having in the Arkham Menard series. So, um the, I look for big things from Todd <laughs> for many years to come, uh, without a doubt. Uh let's go ahead and cover the uh, driver point standings here.
1: Yeah, you know, and Maybe he's taking the same route that uh, that uh, Sheldon Creed's taking in the truck series. You know, Sheldon Creed's grandpa. You know, told him, you know what? Don't even, don't even try to hustle a sponsor. Just focus, just focus on the driving. You know what? Yeah. It, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll pay for it. You know what? And um, the only time that Sheldon had a sponsor was when, um, was when Marcus from. Um, Cappy World, you know, told the drivers, you know what, well, you know, I'll, yeah. I'll put your sticker on, you know, and if you win the race, you know, you get it like a a $50,000 bonus or something like that. And that was the only time that uh that Sheldon put a uh, sticker on the truck. But other than that, you know, his grandpa just basically told me, you know, like, just go out there and race and don't worry about the, you know, don't worry about the sponsorship money.
0: Yeah, and unfortunately so, not every driver has that luxury, but uh, Sheldon is yeah. a good hard racer.
1: Yeah, so anyways, getting into the points, we got um, Austin Cedric leading the points, uh, Harrison Burton in second, A.J. Almendager in third, Daniel Hemrick fourth, then Justin Algaier fifth, and uh, Jeb Burton rounds out the top six. Um, Of course, Austin Austin Cedric is still leading the series with three wins. A.J. Almendager has one, Justin Algaier has two, Jeb Burton has one. And then from six we go down to Justin Haley, seventh, Jeremy Clements eighth, No, Greg's and ninth. Matt Snyder tenth. Brandon Jones eleventh. And on the bubble is uh, Michael Annette with uh gosh, she's probably got he has a pretty good lead over uh over Brandon Brown right now. Brandon Brown is uh seventeen points seventeen points behind him in the for the twelfth spot for the um for the uh, to make the chase.
0: Mm-hmm. What's amazing but then we is also that re- the Ty Gibbs has only six races, but he's got those yeah. two wins. He's below exactly. the cut line, and he's not running full time. But he's time. already in. Yeah. But but he but yeah.
2: He's, if, he's not in because he's
0: got to race full time to be in, unless NASCAR gives him a waiver.
1: Yeah, I found the way they're giving the way they give waivers. I wouldn't doubt it.
0: And then you Josh so Berry, I mean, same thing. He's got one win and he's below the cut line as well.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, but the way yeah, that's the way that part giving, out, giving out, waivers, just the same thing. Um, I'm pretty sure, and, and and I and I keep checking, but I'm curious if Ty Gibbs is running this. Even though he's not running full time, if he can still get the Rookie of the Year uh, honors.
0: Oh yeah, I th- I think he deserves it. We'll see what happens. I mean, because the only um, other f-
1: and he's not full time. I mean, he's missed a he missed a race. He's going to miss a couple more races. But you know, when you talk about Ryan Vargas. You know, ready for the for the Rookie of the Year honors. But he's going to miss one more race and possibly a few more races from the article that was mm-hmm. put out by Jayski talking with Johnny Davis and Johnny Davis is just to the, I mean, he said, basically Johnny Davis said, if he was such a hardworking kid, and such a nice kid. He goes, I would already let him go. Uh, you know, but, you know, and, and, you know, and Brian, you know, when, you know, beginning of season, you know, saying he had a full-time Xfinity ride, told everybody, and now that ride
0: is in jeopardy. Oh, that's a shame. One of the things that I think fans should keep their eye on as well, one of the reasons that Austin Sindrick has the commanding lead that he has in the Xfinity Series is not just the three wins that he has, but he also has five stage wins, the most in the series. Uh, So that gives him extra playoff points as well. He's got a whopping 20 playoff points. Uh, The closest guy to him is Justin Algauer in fifth place, Uh, who has the two race wins and just one stage win uh, for 11 points. Uh, Daniel Hamrick has five stage wins. That gives him five points uh, because uh, he doesn't have any race wins at this point. And Almendinger has two stage wins uh, along with his one victory. That gives him seven playoff points. So those are the highest uh, playoff points uh, in the series, but that those, that can make a huge difference for these guys from one position to the next, just the playoff points that they can get.
1: Oh yeah, we've we, we've seen that happen at at the cup level when, when Mark Curtis Jr. won all those a couple of years ago when he won the oh, championship yeah. and he had all those playoff points and he was able to to advance to to the next um, to the next. Uh, to the next round of playoffs because of all the points that he all the points that he had collected.
0: Exactly right. I think as the season, as the regular season winds down, I think more and more of these drivers are going to be uh, competing hard for those playoff points uh, because of the difference it can make from the, for them.
1: And there, there's an article put out today. I didn't read it. But one of the one of the mom and pop, um, uh, I think it front stretch, put out an article about, uh, you know, the how how the playoff points are hurting the uh, the series. You know, if NASCAR is going to continue, or if they're going to take them away.
0: Uh, what what points are hurting the series?
1: The playoff points.
0: How is it hurting the series?
1: I, I didn't read the I didn't read the article. I should have read it.
0: Oh. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, kind of an interesting take on it because I don't see how how that could be. Um, you know, now, what? a couple of. correct
1: I kind of think what it might be is because they're you know the way they race back you know for the for the playoff points. You know, I don't mm-hmm. I don't know I I have to I have to go back and find the article.
0: Okay. Well, we'll have to look that up. Uh but some news that's kind of come out here too is Phoenix Raceway is uh, gonna return as the championship uh track for twenty twenty two for so that'll be the third consecutive season that we're gonna have the final race at phoenix raceway championship week
2: well wow,
1: that wow, that i mean that's that's good for the series it's good for the city of mm-hmm. phoenix. <laughs> you know, um, uh, I, I don't know about for the series itself, but I know for the city of Phoenix, they're loving it.
0: Yes, indeed. Okay. Um So Grant Dinfinger, we know, uh, uh, was uh, in the race this weekend, but he was with Sam Hunt Racing. Um He's with Sam Hunt racing this past weekend with Charlotte, which is uh, a little bit different for him. Uh, he's been racing uh, with uh, CR7 uh, Motorsports. So uh, a little, he's replacing Brandon Godovic in the number 26 Toyota uh, this past weekend for Sam Hunt racing. So that was a little bit different too. That goes back to the top yeah, that- series
1: yeah that's really interesting
0: okay. I was trying to look for Xfinity series news here okay okay so uh uh anyway, there's a lot of really good things happening in the uh, uh in the uh, Xfinity Series, (laughs) and so that's uh, pretty cool. Now, another uh, news story here. Josh Berry is going to run for Jordan Anderson Racing at Mid-Ohio, so announced that 30-year-old Josh Berry of Hendersonville, Tennessee, will drive the team's number 31 Bomberito Automotive Group Chevrolet in the Xfinity Series race uh, at Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course. So look for Josh Perry to be racing with Jordan Anderson racing out at Mid-Ohio.
1: Oh, I'm sure he's not going to have any problems whatsoever getting a, getting a ride for the rest of the season.
0: Yeah, I don't think so either. I think uh, he's going to pretty much be the go-to guy um, in that series, so or in any of the series for that matter. Okay, let's go ahead and move on to the Cup Series. Um, The Cup Series also raced at Charlotte Motor Speedway this past weekend, uh, and it was uh, an interesting race. Uh, Kyle Larson pretty much dominating. He delivers for Hendrick Motorsports their 269th victory at Charlotte uh, in pretty dominating fashion. Um, So right now, Hendrick Motorsports now has the most victories of any team in the Cup Series, so that's pretty cool that Kyle Larson was the driver to make that happen. Uh, Larson's win was the eighth of his career and the second of the season, guaranteeing the driver of the number five Chevrolet a spot in the postseason playoffs. Uh, By the time he crossed the finish line at the end of the 400 laps, Larson held a 10.051 second lead over the runner-up and teammate Chase Elliott. Uh, Kyle Larson, um, the win is his second of the year, first at Charlotte Motor Speedway and the eighth of his career. Chase Elliott finished in second, followed by Kyle Busch, William Byron, Alex Bowman, Austin Dillon, Denny Hamlin, Chris Buescher, Tyler Reddick and Kevin Harvick rounding out the top 10. Again, Larson totally dominated the race starting from the pole and leading seven different times for 327 laps. He also won the first and second as well as the third stage and he pulled away over the final stage to win by over 10 seconds as we mentioned earlier. 23 lead changes among 13 drivers, 4 cautions and 26 yellow flag laps now the average speed of this race we've been we said the truck race was about 112 miles per hour so with the Xfinity race the cup race was 100.785 miles per hour so a little bit faster for these guys it was a 62nd annual Coca-Cola 600 and uh, again its second victory for Kyle Busch the 10th top 10 finish this year for him His first victory and fifth top 10 finish in 12 races at Charlotte. Chase Elliott in second posted his sixth top 10 finish in 10 races at Charlotte and his ninth uh, top 10 finish of this year. Kyle Busch in third posting his 20th top 10 finish in 33 races at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Chase Briscoe, 23rd, was the highest finishing rookie. Again, Hendrick Motorsports has 269 NASCAR Cup Series victories, the series most for a single organization. So what an accomplishment for Hendrick Motorsports. Uh, It seems like they've got things turned around at that organization with a bunch of young drivers.
1: Yeah, you know, and actually they almost went one, two, three, four again, but Kyle Busch would have spoiled the party. I mean, they were Kyle Busch. I mean, actually, um, uh, uh, Alex Bowman was 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 trying was trying, you know, to get in there, you know, behind Kyle. But then, um you know, Bowman just didn't have it. And Kyle just, um, you know, went up there, you know, and uh, ended up, you know, finishing up in front of William Byron. And actually, William Byron was my pick from a Chevy mm-hmm. standpoint to win this race. He looked he re- he looked really tough. He looked good, even though even though Kyle was. Kyle was doing his thing. But um you know, uh, William Byron I mean, he he was I mean, he was right there, you know you know, pounding on his door but just could never could never seal the deal.
2: Mhm.
0: Uh, William Byron has had some really uh good uh, runs this year. I believe. Uh, let's look at the series point standings. I think he's I think he's pretty high up there.
1: Yeah, he is. He's uh, let me see where he's yours, yeah. Byron he's is. He's
0: third. He's actually tied with Kyle Larson, but Kyle Larson has more wins.
1: Yeah, he is. He's tied with Kyle Larson, but yeah, Carl, Kyle Larson has a two wins. do Byron has the one win.
0: And
1: Denny Hamlin continues to lead. Yeah, Denny Hamlin's leading the, leading the points was with uh, zero wins, five playoff points, five stage wins. Um, next would be Kyle Larson. The third is William Byron. Fourth is Chase Elliott, who had another good run this week. Uh, fifth is Joey Logano. Sixth is Martin Truex Jr., Seventh is Ryan Blaney, and eighth is Kyle Bush. That was off the top 8 we We're taking the top 16 into the uh, playoffs. And then from there we go to ninth is Kevin Harvick, who was consistent all day. My Ford driver this week, this week was Brad Kazowski. He didn't do too well. I figured, that well, he was last year's winner. I thought maybe he would have come back and didn't mm-hmm. repeat, but that was not to be. And then 11th is Austin Dillon, 12th is Alex Bowman, 13th is Tyler Reddick, 14th is Chris Boucher, and 15th is Christopher Bell, rounding out the top 16 is Michael McDowell, which was our Daytona 500 winner.
0: Yeah, and then the guys just below that cutoff line, Sal, Matt Benedetto, Ricky Stenhouse, Jr., Kurt Busch, which is kind of surprising, and then Ryan Newman in 20th. Um, so some interesting stats there
1: yeah it is and actually they're talking about Kurt Busch might be leaving Ganassi to go with uh, with um, with 21X which is uh, Michael Jordan and um, Danny Hammond's team and be a second cup driver to Bubba Wallace
0: hmm interesting I haven't heard that yet
1: yeah that came out today well they're talking about Bush retiring, anyways, but they said now that there's there was a rumor going around a possibility that he might be Danny Hamlin's second second driver over there with uh, with him and uh, Michael Jordan.
0: Yeah, there was a fake NASCAR account, um, and that fake NASCAR account said that he was going to be retiring, um, but uh, again, that really was fake news. From a parody account that a lot of people took literally, um, it's it's an account that it looks like it says NASCAR, but I think it says NASCAR or something like that. It's it's one letter different. Instead of a C, I think they've got a G, or an O, or something like that. And uh, it's not really NASCAR, but it says at NASCAR. It looks like at NASCAR, but it's not. So interesting interesting uh, storyline on Kurt Busch. Uh So uh, I just want to warn everybody, when you're looking at some of these news stories that are coming out on Twitter, look at who the source is very, very closely, because there's a lot of parody accounts out there that put out some things. Uh, and it looks like it's the real deal until you look a little bit closer and you notice that the C is actually an O in NASCAR. So, um, uh, I got caught on that one.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: you know, I, I I try to I try not to play too much on, on any of that. <clears throat> you know, um, you know, Kurt's been around a long time and when I heard he was leaving I kinda thought that you know, I kinda felt there wasn't a permit thing, you know, that it was kinda more of a you know, changing of the guard thing. But then I, I don't see why Kurt would want to leave um, Ganassi Racing anyways because Chip has given him so much to work with, you know. But, but I know sitting 19th in points isn't actually Kurt's cup of tea.
0: hmm Yeah, I'm sure that he wants to uh, do better than that. And he's certainly capable. He didn't forget how to drive or anything. He's certainly capable of doing better than that as well. So we just it'll be interesting to see what happens and if uh he does make a change at the end of this season um uh, and and where he goes to. Uh was that a confirmed deal for him going to twenty three eleven
1: South? Nah, no that wasn't confirmed. It was just something that was thrown out there. Oh
0: so okay. I figured I would
1: toss it out there. I've heard someone toss it my way I'll toss I'll keep kinda of like they toss it to me I'll just Toss it and see see where it ends up. You know, it could be true, exactly. it could not be true, but but as far as um what? as far as it being confirmed, no, it was not it was never confirmed.
0: Okay, now and, the, and, and, the and, the and I think we're I think we're, still,
1: yeah, I, I think we're still yeah, I think we're still kind of I think we're still kind of too early in the season, you know, for them to be confirming, you know, yes, you know, rumors like that. I'll, you know, I so. would
0: agree. Playoff points are also interesting to look at here in the Cup Series, Sal, because Kyle Larson has the most. He has nine stage wins and two victories to give him 19 playoff points. But right behind him is Martin Truex Jr. with three race wins and three stage wins. Uh, The nine stage wins, by the way, is the most of any other driver in the series. Uh, The closest one to him is Denny Hamlin with five stage wins, but then he doesn't have the uh, race wins to go with those stage wins, Uh, so he only has five playoff points. Uh, After Martin Truex with 18 playoff points is Alex Bowman, who has the two wins giving him 10 uh, playoff points. So uh, some interesting uh, things there with regard to the playoff points and how it's playing into the series standings it's really helping yeah it, uh, in some cases
1: oh yeah it is and you look at Kyle Bush only has one one race win two stage yeah. wins that has seven playoff points but um, Kyle Larson and and uh, and Mark Trucks Jr. again you know is is you know playing the percentages you know and taking advantage of the playoff points and and you know we've seen you know, since they started having the playoff points, that Martin Truex Jr. is always the one that's always jumped in there and, you know, taken control, you know, when it came to the, you know, to the points, you know, when it comes to the playoffs. And, um, you know, I'm sure by the end of the season, they'll have close to 30, you know, uh, we don't have 25, 26, but possibly closer to 30, depending if he can pick up a few more wins. Because he's, yeah, he's one of them that's always racing, he's always racing for the. He's always racing playoff for the point. stage wins. For the playoff wins, mm-hmm. yeah. He's already in. Yep. Like they say, he's already in, so now it's you know, now let's see how many points we could pick up, you know, to help us. You know, towards exactly. towards uh, you know, towards another championship.
0: Now, you're out there in the San Francisco area, so there's a chance you might make it after Sonoma this weekend, right, Sal? No. Oh, no okay. chance. Um, no yeah,
1: campus. No checks. No chance.
0: Oh, okay, I was hoping maybe you'd be able to make it out there this weekend. Um, yeah, I, if the, I'd known and known,
1: and and things would have happened differently, but I didn't know I was going to be out here, and 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 then, uh, like I said, um, without having Donna Brandon there no more, it's kind of hard just to make a call, you know, and say, hey, Donna, you know what, I need a, you know, we need to get in, you know. Mhm. So, you know i i don't i don't know is it the track and then like i said they did the zoom meeting today so i would i would have had to have been part of that zoom meeting
0: right okay okay well there's always next year sal <laughs> we have to oh keep yeah it in oh mind. yeah ne-
1: next year oh yeah next year is going to be a full schedule because when we got the last race at um at auto club before they convert it into a half mile next oh year.
0: okay that's right. They're going to be changed. That's going to be amazing. They're converting from a two-mile track to a half-mile track. So, pretty yeah, interesting. within a year. <laughs> within a, within year. a year.
2: Yeah.
0: So, next next Monday, we do have Joe Graff, Jr. on tap. Uh, he had to reschedule. He had an injury and was not able to be on with us last month. But we did reschedule him for next Monday night. So uh, look for Joe Graff Jr. to be on the show uh, this coming Monday.
1: Okay, so let's see how that one goes. Or it's either Joe Graff or Chris Knight, one of the two.
0: So one of the two will be on, probably. Yeah. Uh, one of two. So so Joe... far,
1: so far, so far, the over under is on Chris Knight.
0: <laughs> well, we'll see how it goes. It's been fun having Chris on too. Um, oh, yeah, it has, but but I hope, you know, you have.
1: Joe's just busy, you know, he's
0: just a busy and guy. And Joe's just a busy guy, you're right, you're right. Yeah. Sure. So, um, okay, so I just got a note from Jay, I know you can't do the show next week, and Jay says that he can't, so uh, look for Joe. Okay. Jay to be the co-host for next Monday night here on Fanfare awesome. Radio, So, uh, so you know that now as well. So with that, Sal, we're going to say goodbye and thanks for all you do. We appreciate you, and I'm glad you're able to be on the show tonight.
1: Yeah, so am I. I'm glad I was able to make it. Like I said, you know, you know, if I can't, I'm going to do it. It's just, you know, these you know these last-minute things, you know, that come up, you know, and, you know, and, you know, it's working out here, you know, it's tough because, you know, I'm in a hotel room, I'm not at home, you know, where I, you know, have the luxury of, you know, sitting in a comfortable mm-hmm. chair instead of instead of a, instead of a I'm sure like I'm sitting in a, on a piece of cardboard right now.
0: <laughs> well, we're just you're all done now, so uh, you'll be able yeah. to get up and stretch out a little bit and give Sandy the seat Oh down. yeah, <laughs>
1: that's what I'm gonna do.
0: <laughs> okay, well, take care, Sal, and again, safe travels to you.
1: Okay, thanks, and everyone have a good night, and uh, you guys stay safe and wear your mask and get your shot and do whatever you have to do to prevent COVID from spreading and and uh, keep short track racing alive.
0: Yes, indeed. Uh, I really had fun talking with Patrick today about racing out yeah, there at the uh, Dale.
1: Yeah, it was. It was, a, it was really good. All right, good night, everyone.
2: Talk to you later. Good Bye, night,
0: all right, it is the top of the hour, one minute past, and so uh, we are past due for our NASCAR Hot Topic sound off, and uh, joining us tonight uh, is, I believe, uh, Jay Husman. Welcome to the show, Jay.
4: All right, well, I am here, yes.
0: Oh, okay, I just wanted to make sure that was you. And then also we have Michael Orzel with us tonight. Well, I'm
5: here as well, so I'm going to have to say hello.
0: (laughs) Okay. And uh, I just got notice from Owen that Owen's not able to be on tonight. I uh, I know Andy wasn't going to be on, so I asked Owen uh, kind of last minute if he could be on. Uh, And I can send a message to Tommy, but it's kind of pretty last minute for him to be getting that now. Um, but I think we can manage it with the three of us, right?
5: Well, as long as you can put well, I'm the sure two we... of us bickering back and forth.
0: Yeah,
4: that's <laughs> what, that was what I was going to say, was, Sharon, you've moderated between Mike and I before, so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so, Jay, why don't we start with you for the hot topics tonight? Why don't you kick us off?
4: All right. Well, I know I had a couple in my head, but I'm going to go to, if I can pull this up without blowing up my phone, um, that we had on the list. First one I want to start with is one I put up of uh, Kurt Busch possibly to the 2311 team in the event they start a second team, which there's a lot of talk now about them having a second team. Now it seems to be more focused on who might drive it. And we had a lot of discussion about that, but Kurt Bush was not in that discussion amongst us anyway. So curious what everybody thought about that.
0: Okay. Jenny was asked about the team's plan. Okay. And did he mention Kurt Bush?
3: Well, that one, it did it not specifically.
4: Athletic. It just said, he, yeah, he was one that was a possibility. He's in a contract year with Ganassi and whether or not they, they needed a veteran driver to pair up with uh, with Bubba Wallace.
0: Okay. Okay, so uh, I guess the question was given him, do you feel you need a second driver with more experience? Uh, and Jenny Hamlin said, I don't know. I think that I'm teammates with Bubba Wallace, so he's already got that. I don't think that we necessarily have to have that because he's got me, Martin Truex, Kyle Busch that work very hard and very close with him. We're in the same meetings, and I don't know if there's a benefit or a detriment either way, but certainly I look uh, at a lot of different things when it comes to who – a prospective person could be. And then the Athletic reported uh, the team will add a second car, and Kurt Busch is the leading candidate to drive it uh, because of the contract deal with Chip Ganassi. Okay, so, Mike, what are your thoughts? Well,
5: there's a lot going on here. You know, there's there's quite a few different pieces to unpack on this. Uh, First and foremost is the, the 2311 second car. Um, I wouldn't say it's a foregone conclusion, but it it seems like it's almost like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge now when Denny's talking about it of I can't say we're going to have a second car yet, but wink, wink, nudge, nudge, here comes our second car kind of a deal. So –
2: Mm-hmm. everyone
5: is pretty much they're, they're they've already got the second 2311 car written into their 2022 scorecards it's just a matter of what name they put next to that car and that's where the speculation is turning uh, i agree with jake kurt bush was not on at least not on my radar and it, it didn't seem like he was on anybody else's radar an interesting development with kurt bush last week there was a fake nascar account on twitter <laughs> yeah. that posted you know they they are personating the, the official nascar account and they posted a breaking news, Kurt Bush is going to retire at the end of the season, blah, 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 uh, just trolling people. Well, Kurt Bush replied to this. And if you've seen the movie, The Wolf of Wall Street, there's a scene in it with Leonardo DiCaprio. He's about to go down from the SEC. They want him fired and everything. And he's got all his people there. And he, you know, he gets the microphone and it starts out real quiet. I'm not leaving.
2: I'm not leaving. I'm not
5: leaving. Like, like screaming and hyping up the crowd. Well, Kurt Bush uh, he, he superimposed his own face on there, so now it's Kurt Bush saying he's not leaving. So there was a lot of speculation about, is Kurt Bush actually going to retire at the end of the 2021 season and either hang up the helmet or go on to something else, either IndyCar or sports cars, which he has expressed interest in doing in the past? Well, now it almost looks like word from the man himself that Kurt Bush doesn't have intention to retire. Whether that means that there's mm-hmm. a team owner who has intention of having Kurt Bush in their car next year, that's another thing to be seen. Uh, Clint Boyer had intention to come back as well, and he's, he's doing very well in the Fox Broadcasting booth this year. So just because Kurt wants to come back obviously doesn't guarantee he's going to have a ride for next year. But it is interesting to see that Kurt Bush has no intention of leaving, and there's all, it's also interesting to see that his name is kicked around for 2311. That would not be a terrible idea for a second car. Even if Kurt Busch comes back next year, I don't think he has too many more years left in NASCAR Cup Series racing. Based on the retirement trends of most of the drivers retiring in their early to mid-40s, well, Kurt Busch is right in that same window. And maybe he's got another year or two, which would be perfect to plug Kurt Busch into that car, a very experienced veteran, a past champion, and a driver who has a reputation for getting far more out of his car than that car really has any business doing. Uh, look for example of what he's doing with that one car at Chip Ganassi. I don't know that there's anybody who would say Kurt Busch is getting 150% of what that car is capable of on a weekly basis. And he does the same thing. He did the same thing when he was at Furniture Row, overdrove their equipment, and did better in it than he, was, uh, than he had any business doing. Same thing for Roush, same thing for Penske. Uh, Kurt Busch's biggest enemy through his career has been Kurt Busch. But since he has grown mm-hmm. and matured into a very strong race car driver, he is an incredibly great asset for a team, and having those last couple of years in the NASCAR Cup Series, being in a brand-new team at 2311, it may be a great opportunity for Kurt to go out with you know something he can build around himself, and at the same time, great for 2311 to build around a past champion and somebody who knows how to get race cars up to winning speed like Kurt Busch does.
0: Okay. Uh, and, and Kurt Busch may very well be on his way to twenty three eleven for next season. But when I listened to what Denny Hamlin said uh, when he was asked specifically uh, about, do you feel you need to have a, a second driver with more experience, his, his comments weren't he, – he was pretty indifferent to it. Uh, kind of saying that himself and Martin Truex Jr. have been mentors for Bubba Wallace, so why would they need a third guy um, to be a mentor for Bubba Wallace? So to me, either that is a diversion or, you know, Kirk might be a leading candidate, but it sounds to me like they might be looking at other younger candidates as well, if you read between the lines of what we have here. And again, it depends on how you're looking at it. It could be a kind of a, a, a way to kind of divert attention away from Kurt, but it also could be that they really are looking at maybe some younger people with the understanding that Denny Hamlin and Martin Truex have the experience that and that they can mentor any of the younger people that they bring into that 2311 car. You bring up some really good reasons, Mike, but, but I, I just have to look at what Denny Emerson actually said, and it makes me question it. Um, and, you know, we'll have to wait and see what happens to hear the rest of the story. But uh, I think there's some mixed signals there for sure. So, Jay, what are your thoughts?
4: Well, we're going to take it easy on you, Sharon, tonight. I'm just going to start with agreeing with Mike. I think Kurt Bush would be a good <laughs> fit for that team if that were the direction they'd go. Um, I don't think he gets credit for the role he played in helping furniture Row build to where they were. Uh, I know Mm -hmm. Regan Smith got the win, got the win for him. And that's kind of what started the highlight. That was when they were uh, Richard Childress and Kurt Busch was a big part in that as well. And I do think he does bring a lot to the table and could bring a lot to that team. Uh, From your perspective, Sharon, you're going to go based off what Denny Hamlin said. I'm pretty sure Danny Hamlin said he wasn't forming a team and he said he wasn't forming it with Michael (laughs) Jordan either, you know, back prior to that. So, uh,
0: I didn't leave it open for a diversion.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, I truthfully, obviously they have talked to him, you know, it's not very often that something like this gets started without there being some type of indication to it. So I do think that they have talked to him. Um, we, you know, I'm one of them that I really thought Matt DiBenedetto would have been the leading driver for it based on their relationship and what Denny Hamlin thinks of him. But his seat there at uh, the Wood Brothers uh, and Penske might be a little more secure now if Brad Keselowski is leaving, which we still don't know for sure. And we're back to a lot of butts being up in the air, if you will. The one mm-hmm. thing I look at when I look at it is if Kurt Busch is going to stay around for another year or two is whether or not Ganassi is wanting to keep him or, or uh, let him finish up there. And I don't see anybody in their pipeline or radar. So I, I don't know. I'm not sure I see him leaving there. And he is again, like Mike said, uh, driven above, above and beyond what those cars are capable of. And I think back to when Kyle Larson was driving for him, Larson was doing okay. We've seen what he can do with better equipment uh, with, mm-hmm. with Hendrick Motorsports. so, Kurt has won a race and made the playoffs. I know he's kind of on the outside looking in right now, but we know he's still capable of it in a couple of races that we expect to see him do good, pick up a win, and he's in the playoffs again. So uh, I, I don't know that I lean towards any of them, but if it is the case, I do think it would be a good fit for
0: 2311. Okay. Mike, your follow-up.
5: I really got not a a whole lot to add on that until we see more information other than just speculation. It it really, the second 2311 car is going to start sounding like the NASCAR street course rumors where it's just going to be somebody trying to write an article to get clicks, and it's going to be insert name rumored to possible 2311 car. And we're going to see a round table of drivers go through that cycle where they're just going to throw names at. It was last year it was Jimmy Johnson was the same thing, of who's going to be driving the 48 car. So I think uh, until we see something a little bit more credible, it's fun to talk about it, but I'm not going to start writing anything on my 2022 scorecard for the second 2311 car just yet.
0: Yeah, I have to agree with that, Mike. (laughs) I think it's it's maybe – I think we're going to hear a lot of rumors. Uh, before it's all said and done, and we'll have to kind of wait and see what actually does happen. Um, the, it's going to be interesting to see who they land on uh, when it's all said and done. And I agree with you guys that Kirk Pushes, they would be a good fit. Uh, I'm just not convinced that it's going to be him uh, at this particular point. So, again, we'll wait and see what happens. Jay, your follow-up?
4: Yeah, and like Denny said, it's not that they have to have it because you do have some veteran leadership, although it is a separate team. It is a strong Joe Gibbs relationship, obviously with Denny Hamlin driving for Joe Gibbs and then owning that team. So there is a strong relationship there. Uh, If he's saying that, hey, they're involved in all the team meetings at JGR, they don't have to have that. So they do have that option of, you know, possibly say Noah Gregson if he can't stay within the Hendrick Motorsports Junior Motorsports or move up um just to throw one out there for for Mike um but we've also <laughs> talked about Toyota having yeah Toyota having the the driver development they have you got John Hunter Nemechek. he could come back from the trucks if if he uh so chooses I think and then several within the Xfinity series that possibly ready to move up uh Whether you agree with it or not, I think Harrison Burton's maybe name would be the next one to look at, even though he hasn't been stellar this year like he was last year. Uh, Excuse me. Those are names that are out there and within the Toyota camp already. So I think that would be their first thought, unless they are looking for that veteran. You also got then possibly Ryan Newman, which, again, is up in the air because nobody has confirmed anything yet at this point. Is
0: that another butt up in the air?
4: Yeah, we've got to put Ryan Newman's butt up in the air now.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, Mike, what's our next topic?
5: Well, in case anybody thought that Marcus Lemonis had done enough in NASCAR, uh, it was announced today that the SRX series, which, uh, if you're not familiar, is Tony Stewart and Ray Evernham's new venture due to start later this month, uh, the SRX series will now be entitlement sponsored by Camping World. So it's going to be the Camping World SRX series.
0: Wow. Okay. Jay, your thoughts about that? Uh,
4: it doesn't surprise me. Uh, from what I've seen and know of Mark, Marcus Limonis, uh, he puts his money where his mouth is. Uh, you know, I know we've had some discussion about that, of a particular team saying, hey, your money isn't enough. We're a better team than that. But what that deal is, the entitlement sponsor for SRX is worth and, and whatnot. They didn't have one before. Now they have one. So I see it as a good thing. And I, and I see what, what Camping World through Marcus Limonis is doing on all levels. I, I just think is phenomenal. Uh, like I said, he's putting his money where his mouth is. Yes,
0: yes. he <laughs> Um Okay, so uh this sounds like uh another big thing that uh Marcus lamonis is doing uh it's a great opportunity for him to get the camping world uh marketing strategy in place with this uh s r x uh series uh six big races uh throughout the summer and uh you know I can't say enough for so what Marcus lamonis is doing um uh, for the sport of racing, it's clear that he loves the sport as much as a lot of the fans. He's a fan himself, obviously, and, uh, you know, he's putting a lot of money behind racing, whether it's within NASCAR or the SRX or any other uh, form of racing that he's put his money behind. Uh I have to give him a lot of kudos uh, for doing what he's doing, and he's doing it in a year that I think, you know, with COVID-19, a lot of sponsors have kind of backed off a little bit. Uh, so he's kind of stepped up to the plate uh, where other sponsors have kind of backed away. And uh, to me, that, that deserves a big standing ovation, if you will, for Marcus Lamonis and what he's doing uh, for the sport of racing uh, with the money that he has. So I can't say enough good things about him. I think it's for the SRX. Uh, and uh, I really applaud uh, Marcus Lamonas. So, Mike, what are your thoughts?
5: I I agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, Like Jay said, there's been some kind of bickering about oh, well, he's not offering enough for what certain teams feel that they're worth and whatnot, but there's, there's no denying that he's putting his money on the table. If somebody feels that they're worth more than that, well, that's their decision not to take that money, but it's still there, and that's great to see. Uh, beyond that, the entitlement mm-hmm. sponsorship, not just now for the Camping World Series, but also for the, uh, the brand-new SRX Series, um, NASCAR is kind of a known quantity. It's about as safe of a financial bet as racing can be, which is to say it's still not a safe financial bet at all, but... As, as far as racing goes, it's a pretty solid financial bet. SRX is completely new. It is wildly unknown. Um, I am somewhat surprised that AARP is not on board with them, but, you know, that's great to see Camping World on there. Uh, SRX, uh, if they're not following very closely, it does begin on June the 12th, Saturday, June the 12th, so a little bit over a week from now at Stafford Speedway is going to be the first Camping World SRX race.
0: Yeah, it's coming up pretty quick. So, um, Jay, what's your follow-up? Are you on mute?
4: Yep, I was trying to get it unmuted there. Uh, That was to uh, contain my uh, laughter there with Mike's sponsor plug, if you will. Uh, We know your (laughs) viewpoint on that. I, I just like what Marcus is doing and it's not about he is saying it's the truck series. Yeah, he put some money into the truck teams, the title sponsor there, but he has sponsored guys for Xfinity and Cup mm-hmm. as well as at any track, is not uh restricting it to locations uh that are prime for him. And now with this S R X uh, so, like I said, Mike Mike said it, or maybe Sharon did, um, just his love for racing, and he's not being selective. They're being selective in response to him, uh, you know, and I respect that. I understand that, but like Mike said, that's their decision, Then He is putting money out there, whether it be, you know, $1,500 or $15,000, whatever it be. Uh, he's putting it out there, that up to them whether they take it or how they go about it. And I, I do think it is a good match. Uh, the publicity that—and I, I say I don't like the word publicity because it's not a publicity stunt. You know, he is—he is just backing it up in all forms of racing. So I, I applaud it, like you said, Sharon.
0: Yeah, I don't have much really to add to it. I just think what he's doing is is a wonderful thing, um,
2: and and you're
0: right. Everybody has their choice. Uh, if they don't feel like it's enough money, they can always back away from it. But uh, my question is, why would you do that? <laughs> I would think any amount of money would be a big help. Um, but uh, I do think that uh, Marcus Limonis has been good for the Camping World Truck Series. Uh, he'll be good for the SRX. And, uh, yeah, there is a little bit of a risk there. Uh, but having a name like Camping World Trucks or having a name like Camping World as a title sponsor, uh, is going to help the SRX get the attention uh, that they want for these first six races for this summer series. So it's all good. Uh, Mike, your final thoughts? Well,
5: I'm not paid by anybody, um, or at least not anybody who uh, who pays me to, to plug them for racing stuff. Um, so I'm, I'm not going to necessarily plug anybody. But at the same time, as a fan, I try really hard to support the businesses that support our sport, and I would encourage mm-hmm. anyone else to do so. So not just Camping World, but any – any brand or whatnot that you see on a race car, if you can, try and support them. And that does go for Camping World as well. If you're out there trying to uh, trying to purchase a new RV or parts for your RV, um, give back a little bit and support the guys who support our sport.
0: Yeah, that's a good point, Mike. Okay, Jay, we're back to you for the next topic.
4: All right, we'll scroll up the list here. Ooh, this is one. Uh, Mike brought it up in, in the... Uh, in the chat here, uh, Ty Gibbs flat out exposing how weak the Xfinity field has been for the past few years. So you might have to moderate on this one, Sharon.
0: Yeah, I've kind of been doing that. Um, okay. So Mike, your first step, go ahead and give your thoughts there.
5: Well, I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. Ty Gibbs has won a full one-third of the races, two out of six, that he's raced in the Xfinity Series. And I believe he's only had one finish outside of the top ten in those six races. And that was one that he got caught up, I believe, as uh, either an accident or a mechanical failure, something that he really didn't have uh, a direct part in. He's beaten Xfinity Series champions from previous years. This past weekend, he beat Chase Briscoe and Tyler Reddick heads up on the racetrack. And did it in a pretty convincing fashion. Um, I think it's, it, it goes without saying that, it, obviously, a, a sample size as small as six isn't a definitive thing. But when you come in and you win two out of your first six races in the number two series in stock car auto racing, that says something for your talent level. He hasn't taken the years to mature and find his way. Obviously, he's in some great equipment in the the Xfinity Series with what Joe Gibbs is providing him, but at the same time, equipment can only take you so far. And his talent level has produced two out of six races in victory lane so far this year, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him in victory lane a couple more times by the time the year's over.
0: Yeah, I think there's no doubt that Ty Gibbs is a talented kid. Uh, There's a lot of that. ARCA races that he's absolutely dominated. Um, the the thing is, is that, and I love the ARCA Menard Series, the East, the West, uh, but I would have to say that this is not one of their more competitive years. You've got a couple of drivers that are, especially in the ARCA Menard Series, uh, that are really going to be battling it out. Um, and, and so I I don't know that that's a good indicator that, uh, he's dominating as, as much as he is dominating there. Um uh, but in the Xfinity series, I think the big question that came up in the Xfinity series and with his win there, and by the way, Ty Gibbs profusely, uh, apologized uh, for Chase, the situation with Chase Briscoe, uh, when he he kind of hit that rear corner panel, and we all know what happens when you hit the rear corner panel in a turn, the air pushes the car and turns it. Um, he said that wasn't his intention. He was very sorry that it happened, uh, and he wanted to race him for the win. Uh, so, uh, but there are there was some conversation about. Uh, you know, him using that air to his advantage uh, and and uh, to get that victory. I don't think he did it intentionally, uh, but it, it seems more like a rookie mistake to me, looking at it now, than him intentionally doing that and using that air to push him. But I, I do think that Ty Gibbs is a very talented guy. Uh, I think it puts more uh, exposure on a driver like Noah Gregson uh, than it does anybody else in the Xfinity series. Noah's been there, what, two or three years now and uh, has not done what Ty Gibbs is able to do uh, and and kind of, uh, you know, had the falling out with uh, Kyle Busch Motorsports uh, so just even from a perspective of, uh, uh, personal relationships or, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, just the interaction, personal interaction. He's, he's head over heels over some of the other older drivers that are still trying to make it in the Xfinity series. So I understand what you're saying there. Um, uh, but I think we have to kind of, um, uh, you know, see what happens for the rest of the season. To, to, you know, six, he's got what? how many starts in the uh, Xfinity Series? I think uh, it's total. far less. Six total starts, and he's got two wins and six total starts in the Xfinity Series. That's pretty phenomenal. And uh, I think out of those six starts, only one of those uh, has been – uh, a not-so-good race. All the rest of them have been really good. And excuse me if I'm getting some of these stats mixed up with the Arkham Menard series. We just reviewed uh, the Arkham Menard series and the Xfinity series, and there are a lot of interesting stats there. So I might be getting it kind of crossed over here. But uh, Tyler's a, a really talented guy, no doubt about it. So, Jay, let's hear what your thoughts are.
4: Yeah, from the aspect of, of Ty Gibbs as a driver himself and the position he's in, uh, doing a great job with those starts he's been given. But just as with anything else, and I'm going to try to be uh, like the rest of the group oh, here and use a big I word. i got to interrupt you. Okay, go ahead.
0: Yep. I'm sorry, Jay. <laughs> Um, we're at that time of the night that if we have any new listeners, I'd like to alert you that we are going to be going off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern time here. That means you'll hear us going off air as we're talking mid-sentence. Uh, but do know that we do continue to record the rest of that conversation And it becomes available as part of our podcast uh, bonus overtime material. So what will happen is I'll go out on Twitter as soon as we can finish with our conversation uh, so that you know that the podcast is available. Then you can fast forward to that two-hour mark uh, in order to hear the rest of the conversation. Again, just want to make it any surprises to anybody when we go off the air mid-sentence. So, Jay, go ahead and finish your thought there, and I apologize for the interruption. I think he's on mute. Did we lose Jay? I don't know. I'm still
2: here,
5: but I don't hear Jay.
0: Jay dropped. I hope he gets back on before... Before 10 seconds, because if he doesn't, he's not going to be able to get back in. Okay. Um, I don't know what happened, but, uh, yeah, he's not going to be able to get back in. So it's just going to be me and you, uh, Mike. So what are your well, thoughts? Well,
5: here we go. <laughs> um so I know, I know you're going to disagree with me on this, but I said it on Saturday, and I'm staying very strongly with it. I still feel that Ty Gibbs did absolutely nothing wrong. And I get that he apologized as soon as he got out of the car, but immediately after he finished that interview, he had two Cup Series champions in the booth, and Joey Logano and Kevin Harvick said he did nothing wrong. Brad Keselowski, another Cup Series champion in the studio, said he did nothing wrong. Chad Knauss, a seven-time Cup Series crew chief champion, said he did nothing wrong. And I wholeheartedly agree with all those champions in the same way. Yes, he used the air to get chase Briscoe's car loose. But at the same time, that's a move that's used a lot of times. Sometimes it goes wrong, but a lot of times you don't even notice what's happening because the other guy up, uh, up top gets a little bit loose. He lifts out of it. He saves the car probably loses the position because that's a normal way that drivers can affect the pass on the racetrack. Like you said, sometimes it goes wrong. Sometimes it causes a big wreck. It's unfortunate when it does, but that doesn't mean it's not a legitimate way to move your position forward if you're trying to do so racing in the last 20 laps for a win in what you're trying to audition for, eventually hopefully a Cup Series ride in a limited opportunity in great equipment which, yes, I understand that Ty Gibbs has family ties, but even a guy like Ty Gibbs is only going to get limited opportunities to showcase his ability in Joe Gibbs' racing-level equipment. And if he didn't perform at the level that he needs to perform in that equipment – Somebody else is going to get that opportunity. So you can't blame Ty Gibbs for trying to take advantage of that opportunity and win races. Even Chase Briscoe in his interview, he didn't point any fingers at Ty Gibbs and say he did anything wrong. He chalked it up as a racing deal, both in his TV interviews as well as a post that he made on Reddit that evening. It was more or less the same thing of Ty didn't do anything wrong. We were racing for the win. I lost the car. I forget exactly what Chase said, but it was pretty much to that effect. So, No, I don't think that Ty Gibbs made a rookie mistake or anything along those lines. I think Ty Gibbs made a pass and won the
4: race.
0: Yeah, I am going to disagree with you because those same guys that you're talking about, and I'm going to say Brad Keselowski in particular, um, would complain if it happened to him because everybody, everybody knows that when you make that move in a corner, on the rear corner panel of the car, you're going to spin that car. And then there's no avoiding it. And, yeah, sometimes they might be able to, but it takes an exceptional driver to be able to do that. And number two, um, uh, I, I, I think that when they use the air and when it's acceptable to use the air in that way, it's when they're on the straightaway when there's less there's more likelihood that they can straighten out the car and continue on versus doing it off the corner or, or in a corner when you put the air on that rear corner panel you're going to spin that guy it happens every single time and and in the past I know that those same drivers, everybody that you're talking about, and Brad Keselowski in particular, those same people mention that, that you don't do that in a corner. You just don't do it. The same guys that you're saying applauded it this weekend. And, again, if, if, uh, if the name has anything at all to do with it, it might in those particular cases, but I don't think the name has anything to do with it. I don't care who it is who does it in a corner like that. It's not the way to to use the air in a corner. On the straightaway, not a problem. In a corner, you never do it. You're not supposed to do it in the corner because, and most drivers won't even try to do it in the corner because, not only are they going to uh, push the air and and spin that front driver, but they also take the risk of spinning themselves out. So I really think that um, uh, those same drivers that you're applauding and all the positive comments that they had to say, it would be a totally different story if they were in Chase Briscoe's spot. So I really think... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that uh, I, that that doesn't hold water with me, so I I'm not buying it. Well, so I guess I,
5: I get what you're saying regarding the other drivers and if it happened to them, but at the same time, distance from it happening to you. It provides a little bit of objectivity and a little bit of clarity. Yeah, if somebody, if somebody ends up on the hook at the end of the race and, and they feel that they were wrong, of course, they were wrong, and they're going to let the world know that, they, that it was wrong and it shouldn't have happened to them and whatever. But I think not having it directly affect them provided a little bit more objectivity in terms of their assessment of it. That's why I'm, I, I, I'm inclined to kind of take their word for it a little bit. With regard to it being used regularly, Ty Gibbs never touched Chase Briscoe. He had at least 12 of that inches away. <laughs> well, sure. But then after our discussion about it on Saturday, I watched the Coke 600. I stopped counting at 20 when I saw this exact same setup with a trailing car to the inside left quarter panel of a leading car. And it was the exact same setup. And either the inside car made the pass, the outside car slowed down, or the inside car ran out of momentum and couldn't complete the pass. It happens frequently during that race and nobody happened to lose the car, but it's not like it's some unusual thing that only happens every once in a while. And whenever it does, it causes an accident. More often than not, it doesn't. And if you don't pay attention and really look for a setup like that, you don't really notice it because it happens so frequently on the racetrack. In this particular instance, for whatever reason, it just didn't go right for Chase Briscoe.
0: Yeah. And I disagree with everything you just said there. So, you know, I, I watched it too. I watched the same race, Mike, and I looked for it as well. Uh, so I did not see what you saw. But to go with what uh, Jay Huseman is saying here uh, on the thing he said, Gibbs and that team firing on all eight cylinders right now, so is Josh Berry in another part-time ride. It's cyclical. Uh, Gregson and Harrison Burton just aren't doing what we expected them to do. And I would agree with that as well. Um, and I would, yeah, Gregson, he did throw Gregson in there. Uh, it says, I don't see an issue with the series. I think in the next year or two, we're going to see what we had the past few years, multiple drivers ready for cup and still have a solid veteran driver teams going head to head. So that those are comments from Jay Huseman that I wanted to make sure that we also included. Um, so we just have to agree to disagree on, on the other part there, and uh, we'll go ahead and move on to the next hot topic. Did you have another hot well, topic? Fair.
5: Well, that's all I was going to ask. If you, you haven't been, uh, you haven't brought one up yet this evening. If you want to do one, or if not, I can grab another one off of uh, off the list here.
0: Um, I usually let you guys uh, pull them off here. Uh, let's see. Dale Jr. claims teams will and need to cheat.
5: <laughs> oh, I was, that was the one I was going to bring up because, I mean, we've already got you heated. Why not you get even more heated over something? I know you love this topic.
0: Well, yeah. I, I, I think that I watch racing to watch drivers uh, not cheat <laughs> and to do it legitimately. Uh, and I don't want to crown a champion who cheated to get there. I really don't. Uh, and that's just the way I look at it. Um, I think that uh, to me, cheating is an indication of a lack of confidence in what you have in your ability. So if you have to cheat in order to take, get a competitive advantage, uh, then something within the mentality of that team is saying uh, that we don't think we can do it otherwise. So we've got to kind of look for an an advantage in some other way to have a a competitive advantage over our competitors. Uh, And that other way is to do it by uh, going outside of the the rules. So I understand Dale Jr. is saying it. Uh, and I I get where he's coming from. I just don't happen to agree with that's the way to do it. I don't think that we should be teaching our children that that's the way you do things. Uh, And I don't agree uh, that role models of this sport um, should be projecting that kind of mentality. Uh, And I think it's a lot of what's wrong with our country right now is a lot of people think that, Gee, it's okay, uh, to not do things the right way anymore. Um, everybody else does it, so I'm gonna do it too. I, I just don't agree with it. And I maybe I'm old school in that way, but uh I think that you should rely on your talent and not some um some competitive edge that goes outside of the boundaries. So, Mike, your thoughts. Well, I get what you're saying
5: and I wouldn't say I necessarily disagree with you, but at the same time, cheating or trying to work your way around the rules, it's almost like a sport within a sport. And it has been a part of racing long since before NASCAR was a thing. You know, ever since two guys got two buggies together and they decided they were gonna write a rule book, you know, there's just two guys who wrote a rule book between each other and they both decided how they were gonna beat the rule book. And that's just part of racing. And you you, you don't really get as much of an appreciation for it watching it on TV, but if you hang around the garage or around the tech inspection area, not even at a major track, but even especially at your local track where all the drivers know all the tech guys and they know all the crew guys and everybody knows and races against each other every single week on a weekend and week out basis, it's this cat and mouse game. And it's, uh-huh.
2: it's
5: not so much a show for the fans. It's almost a, a self-contained show for themselves. And, it's a lot of fun to be part of it, and it's, it's just it's another level of competition that goes on within the sport. And at the highest levels at NASCAR, it's always been a part of this, of it as well. I mean, Junior Johnson and Smokey Unic are two of the most legendary names in the sport, and they're also two of the most legendary cheaters in the history of the sport. Well-documented, and I don't know if I want to go so far as to say it's celebrated, but it's it's certainly in a, a acknowledged in official capacity. If you go to the NASCAR hall of fame in Charlotte, one of the most fascinating things that they've got on display there is they've got an entire section dedicated to cheating within the sport. And I found it fascinating because I do a lot of, of car work and mechanic stuff. So they've got an example of a legal part, uh, whether it's a piece of roll bar or a brake caliper or something like that. And right next to it, is a confiscated example that they took from some race team at some point in the past where this team was trying to pull some shenanigans with whatever that part happened to be. And it's fascinating to see the creativity that goes into either doing something illegally and trying to conceal it. So you don't get caught or even more ingenious is kind of the Ray Evernham Tyrannosaur car, where you know, the exact edge of the rule book. And you build a car right to that exact razor's edge of the rule book. And that's just part of racing. And I really like it. And as much as it kind of sort of looks like a dark side of it, I don't even look at it like that. I think it's just another aspect of the sport. And it's part of the competitive nature of it where, yes, you have race car drivers competing against each other, crew chiefs competing against the other teams, but you also have the back shops and the engineers and the car mechanics who that's somewhat their way of competing against each other as well is trying to build a race car that kind of sort of looks like it follows the rules, but maybe it doesn't. Let's see what we can get away with
3: here.
0: No, I get it. I get where they're coming from, and I get that it's become uh, a sport of its own, um, and it's part of the the history of NASCAR. But I just think that uh, as people, we should rise above that. Um, And I just think that as people that have integrity, we should rise above that. Um, I just think it's the wrong message. It's the wrong messaging uh, for our future generation. And uh, I think that we're seeing kind of the, the fruit of wrong messaging and how it uh, uh, can affect us as a country. So I, I just think that uh, we should be better than that. And with the brilliant minds, that are involved in these games that you're talking about, I still don't understand. If you can be that inch of a degree outside of the line, why can't your brilliant mind find a way to be that inth of a degree to be inside the line? Um, brilliant minds should be able to do this. And and uh, they're not they're they're pushing it now. I understand that by pushing it, you come up with you innovate and you come up with new things. But I think that there should be an arena to innovate and not impact the racing in a way that is uh, giving you a competitive advantage over the others. To me, it's a disrespect uh, to your fellow competitors. Uh, that you think you're better than everybody else, and you can go out there and and kind of get by with something uh, over everybody else. Uh, I think it's a disrespect to yourself uh, because you're telling people that you don't have confidence <laughs> in what you're doing, and so you've got to find a way to to do it outside of those boundaries. Um, so I don't think it speaks well to the sport and uh, to to tout it as something that is to be honored and cherished and celebrated as part of our history and all of that, I think is absolutely the wrong messaging. Um, and and it, I, it just doesn't sit well with me. Uh, I understand where people come from with it. It just doesn't sit well with me. And that's my personal view on it. So um, I'll let you have a follow-up on it and then we'll We'll go from
5: there. Well, don't forget that NASCAR's roots aren't exactly the most noble. And, oh, I know. And, you, know cherry, you know, white satin dress kind of uh, kind of roots. Where NASCAR come from? came from bootleggers running moonshine from the cops. So it's not mm-hmm. like NASCAR hasn't, doesn't have its roots deeply in the other side of the law or the rule book in this case. And to answer your question about, you know, why don't, they stay on the nth side of the, of the line, of, on the good side of the line versus going on the nth side of the bad side. Well, that's easy because everybody else is on the good side of the line. And if you go on the bad side of the line, just that little bit of an edge, you win. And if you win, you get paid as long as you don't get caught. So figure out how to be on the nth side of the line on the bad side, don't get caught, it's still and still cheating. And it's, <laughs> it's still cheating, but they don't write that at the bottom of the trophy or in the memo line on the check. So if you can get away with it, you win, and that's just what it comes down to. And there's no extra special trophy for winning in the most noble of way or not cheating at all. Or I guarantee you, if you go to every single garage stall in the garage at any level of racing, whether it's the Cup Series, all the way down to your local reddest of next Super Street Stock dirt track, every single one of those cars, every single one, if you take it apart, you will find something that's not within compliance with the rule book, and I can almost guarantee you that that was intentional. It's just a matter of what it is, and that's just how racing is. And I don't think that that's something that should be sought to be to be squished out of racing because that's just another element of the competition, and I think that's it, it's an integral part of that competition.
0: Well, uh, again, we agree to disagree. <laughs> I, I just see it from a totally different viewpoint. Okay, so what's our next topic, Mike? Ooh.
5: Um. 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 I'm scrolling right now. Uh, I'm kind of running dry right now. I, I, sh- I should have been digging around a little bit more on the on the Twitters and uh, and on the on Reddit, but I'm
0: pretty well spent.
5: So why don't we talk about, about the Eddie DeHart or- thing? Oh yeah, I, I I forgot we haven't had a show since that news broke. I I figured we had talked about it last Thursday, and yeah, we we didn't because last Thursday didn't have a show. All right, so unfortunately for our listeners who haven't been paying attention, maybe missed the racing this weekend. Um, Eddie DeHaan has been uh, Eddie DeHaan is a spotter for Chase Elliott number nine car has been with that same team ever since back when Jeff Gordon was driving it as the twenty four car. Um, Eddie DeHaan was arrested last September for assault and battery on a female and a unborn child, which are two separate crimes in the state of North Carolina. Apparently he tried to keep it under wraps for whatever reason. That story broke late last week, and as a result, Eddie DeHaan has been suspended both from NASCAR as well as Hendrick Motorsports. Uh, a few more details have come out regarding the case, but we can follow up on that after we get your word, Sharon.
0: Okay, well, I didn't really know what the details were. I had heard that Eddie DeHat had been arrested for something and that he was being suspended by nascar um but I didn't know what it was until just now when I saw this. I guess I haven't been on the board uh recently but uh yeah, that's kind of uh kind of astounding when you think about it 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 uh, really kind of shocks the system (laughs) because you don't expect that. Um, So uh, I think NASCAR did the right thing. I think they had to do that and suspend him. Uh, I I understand why he'd want to keep it under wraps, but I think it probably would have been uh, more prudent for him to have come clean on it from the very beginning and told NASCAR up front. Um, that it happened, uh, and not for them to be surprised by this news. Uh, So I just think NASCAR did the right thing in suspending him. Uh, It's unacceptable, uh, and uh, uh, I don't know if they're going to make him go through some kind of a, a, a rehab, if you will, uh, kind of like a training program or whatever, but uh, on anger management or whatever. But um, uh, I would really be hesitant <laughs> uh, to have him back in the garage at this point. All right. So
5: there's there's two reasons that Eddie was suspended by NASCAR. There are two separate rules in play here. One is any uh, misdemeanor or felony charge, uh, um, and then two kind of goes along with it, that, that they, they, they needs to notify NASCAR within 72 hours or the next race yeah. of, uh, of getting those charges. So that's what ended up getting him suspended. Regarding the case itself, it has not been to trial. From a legal standpoint, Eddie DeHunt is 100% completely innocent so far. These are allegations. He has not been con- tried nor convicted of any sort of crime. So I want to make that a. Abundantly clear to anybody. Oh, well, he should be fired and should never be allowed back in NASCAR. He is completely innocent right now, at least in the eyes of the law. He has not gone to trial yet. And there's some interesting details that have kind of come up with this case and the, uh, the location in question. So the story on this is... Um, Back in September, Eddie was at a jet ski rental place with his family, got into an argument with the owner, who happens to be female and happened to be pregnant at the time, regarding, I guess, some uh, equipment that they were required to bring, whether it was life jackets or something else, and they weren't allowed out on the water until they got the equipment. Eddie wanted some more time. They got into an altercation. I don't know if it got physical. And the interesting part of this is – The Hans legal team has requested video surveillance that is supposedly uh, taken at this location and the accuser has not provided it. And to go further on this, um, if you look at the uh, the Yelp and Google reviews for this jet ski location, not only does the owner regularly threaten customers with potential assault charges, but also makes it abundantly clear to the customers that they're being recorded at all times during all our encounters and that those tapes can be used for legal proceedings. So it sounds like Eddie may have gotten this, uh, this owner to, to call his bluff and filed assault charges for an assault that may or may not have even taken place and is not being very forthcoming with video evidence, which you would think that if there was evidence of an alleged assault, well, that would be, something you'd want to bring forth to prove your case that, yes, you were assaulted. And if it's damaging to your case that you were assaulted, well, that's probably an indicator of why you wouldn't want to release video like that. So Uh I'm going to withhold judgment until this goes to trial, but I want to be really, really, really cautious to not assume guilt in this instance, especially in this instance where there's a lot of questions about the establishment and the specific individual who made these allegations and the history of this individual making threats to other customers of making similar allegations against them.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's a good point. You you don't want to, um, and there's not a lot with this link, but I see there's other links that are further down in the, in the thread. Um, I I agree. Let's wait and find out what the facts are about the case and what is actually true and not true here. Uh, we'll have to kind of wait that out. But uh, still, I think he should be suspended until we do know what the facts are. Um, and uh, once they have that, then if, if, if he's exonerated, uh, then they can bring him back and there's no issue here. But... Um, the fact that he did not bring it to NASCAR's attention immediately does concern me because I do think um, that that would have been the first thing he would have done is to contact NASCAR and say, this is what happened and, you know, it's, you know, whatever the case is. The fact that he didn't do that does concern me. So, again, we'll have to wait and see what the facts are. But uh, that doesn't help his case that he was not clear with them from the beginning.
5: Well, I think that could go either way. I mean, I I get what you're saying where maybe he's trying to conceal something because he's got a feeling of guilt about it. But at the same time, if he's thoroughly convinced that these charges are BS, and completely bogus, well, that might be another reason to not try and make a big deal out of it as well, because he's fairly confident he's going to be able to beat this. What's going to turn out to be an inconvenience, he's going to be able to beat it in court. This whole thing stinks a lot like the Patricia Driscoll incident with Kurt Bush about 10 years ago, where a former girlfriend of Kurt Bush accused him of domestic mm-hmm. violence. Uh, I believe Kurt was initially arrested and charged and then suspended from NASCAR as a result of those charges. And then within a month or so, everything went away, and and we see Kurt Busch racing in the Cup Series still to this day. So, again, this still needs to go to trial. There's a lot of information that's going to need to come out and get sorted out. Um, So we don't know how this is going to go. But at the same time, there's reasons to think that this might be another Patricia Driscoll-type incident where – I don't know if uh, the accuser knew who Eddie DeHaan was, who he was associated with, and now they're going to try and squeeze him for some money that they figure they can get out of him or what. But I think the right move was to suspend him, because if for no other reason, then the rule book's pretty clear that he does have to provide notification for a criminal charge, misdemeanor or felony within 72 hours. He did not do so. Therefore, by the rule book, a suspension is warranted. I think that's fair, and I think that's right. But I think that's as far as it ever needs to go until this goes to trial or is otherwise settled from a legal standpoint. And then if there's a, a finding of guilt that, yes, he did do these things, well, then we can take it from there. And if there's a finding that he did not do these things, it, everything, every step needs to be made to make things right as far as they can with him in terms of reinstating him into the sport, whatever kind of, I don't know how you can make something right where you're suspending somebody for a long period of time in terms of, uh, you know, pay and access and things like that. There's certain things you can't give back. But if it's found that he did not commit these crimes that he's accused of, I think every effort needs to be made to make him whole again.
0: Yeah. And now I will say Kurt Bush had kind of a um, history that did not work in his favor. Uh, I'm not familiar with any kind of a history uh with Eddie DeHaan uh, that would uh play into this. Uh so I think it's fair to give him the benefit of the doubt, uh and and kind of withhold any judgment until we know what the facts are. uh but uh, uh I think that NASCAR did its due diligence to the uh, law enforcement did their due diligence when it came to Kurt Bush, I would expect them to do their due diligence in this case as well.
5: Yeah, that's, that's about well, all we got. I mean, I, I think I said it earlier in the show, Kurt Bush's worst enemy through his career has been Kurt Bush. So Eddie DeHaan yeah. doesn't have that working against him. So we'll, we'll see where this goes in the next weeks to months, and hopefully it resolves quickly. And, you know, if everything's right, let's get him back to the racetrack as quickly as we can.
0: Okay. Uh, One other thing, uh, and I know we're at the top of the hour here. We might have to save this for Thursday, Uh, but uh, real quick, I was going to bring up the truck series, not going to Canadian Tire Motorsports Park instead. uh, And that's because of the COVID uh, instead, they've rescheduled that race to Darlington over the Labor Day weekend. So, Uh, more news-worthy, I guess, than anything else. But did you have a quick thought on that, Mike?
5: Well, not a surprise. For whatever reason, I don't know why, and most people in Canada still don't know why, is Canada is still just significantly locked down over COVID. Um, versus the U.S. where most lockdowns are pretty well done. Uh, but either way, well, that's, that's good for Darlington County, South Carolina. I'm sure that they would love to host a uh, Camping World Truck Series race, and the associated revenue that comes in there stays uh, within the United States. i got no war, uh, no complaints with that. It's a shame to lose a, a race at Canadian Tire. That is a great facility, and I do enjoy watching the racing there. Uh, but if they don't want the Truck Series up there, well, that's, that's fine. We'll find another place to run the Truck Series, and Darlington sounds like a great place to run them.
0: Okay. Okay, I think we'll call that a night then, and uh, we'll start our round table or our cross table, if you will. Um, what you got going, Mike?
5: Yeah, it's going to be one skinny table, past the soup. Anyway, uh, yeah, it's Mike underscore Orzel on Twitter, Mike double underscore O on Reddit. I had an article go live, I think it was just before, just after the Coda Race, where uh, we're looking at... Uh, with Bre- the news of Brad Keselowski potentially moving over to Roush Fenway in an ownership role, what does the ownership p- picture look like for some of the major NASCAR Cup Series teams with owners getting into their 70s and 80s? We're going to see a major turnover here really soon, and I wrote an
0: article examining that. So take a look. Okay. And then I am fan for racing sites on Twitter, fan for racing blog and radio everywhere else. Uh, including com where Mike's article is posted, uh, as well as uh, the recaps from the races uh, this past weekend, including Sam's recap. I uh, haven't had anything from uh, Owen recently, but we'll keep an eye out for that as far as his power rankings. Uh, and unfortunately, he wasn't able to be on the show tonight, uh, so that tells me he must be super, super busy right now. Um uh, now, we do have our guest for this Thursday. I mentioned it earlier, but I'll mention it again. We have Jennifer Self uh, coming on the show Thursday night. She is the wife of Austin Wayne Self. She is also the defending winner of the Better Half Dash, and on June 10th, the Better Half Dash is going to take place again, but it's going to be an eye racing event. It's going to be a little bit different than what we've seen in the past, and uh, it's going to be fun talking with Jennifer Self, who uh, is the most recent winner going back to October of, of uh, 2017, uh, about that change and uh, about what she's doing to prepare for that. Uh, so Monday night we have Joe Graff Jr., on board and then next Thursday night, uh, because we had to cancel last Thursday night's show, we've got Andreas Perez de Lara, uh, from Rev Racing coming on the show next Thursday, a week from this Thursday. So, uh, just so that everybody knows that we did reschedule his appearance. Okay, so with that, a big shout out to all of our listeners, uh, for taking the time to tune in. We appreciate each and every one of you. And, of course, to our fan racing crew and all that they do with the articles that they write, as well as uh, the commentary that they give here on our radio show and uh, as co-host. So uh, with that, we will go ahead and call it a night, and it's time for us to say good night.
5: Well, I do have one quick question before we go. For the better sure. half dash, will Delena Harvick be in it? And follow-up question, for the benefit of Joey Logano, Will she finally answer the question of who does wear the fire suit in that family? <laughs> she tells the have really, a great night, everybody. I,
0: I don't think that I saw her name on the uh, entry list, but I'll double check here her real quick. Uh, it is going to be on June 10th. Let me see if I got this. They do have a list here of who's going to be in it. Uh, Kelly Earnhardt Miller, Kristen Levante, the president of Breaking Limits, as well as uh, wife of uh, Bobby Levante. Morgan Bell, the wife of Christopher Bell. Marissa Briscoe, the wife of Chris Chase Briscoe. Megan Smith, uh, the wife of Ryan Smith. Jenna Petty, girlfriend of Harrison Burton. Tammy Rice, the wife of uh, colleague Racing President Chris Rice. Julia Piquet, the girlfriend of Daniel Suarez, Jennifer Self, the wife of Austin Wayne South, the winner of the Better Half Dash and Defending Winner, um, Carissa Flores, the wife of Ryan Flores, who is a front tire changer of the number two team, Penske, and Alexa DeLeon, the girlfriend of Tyler Ruddick. Uh, those are all of the people that are currently entered, and I did not see... Uh, Delena Harvick on that list.
5: Well, Joey Logano is going to have to keep wondering for another year.
0: That's all I've got. It's been a blast. <laughs> okay. Take care, Mike, and uh, we'll have talk to you on the other side. Good night. Bye.